0: Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans.
1: From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reid.
0: Hey, man. You An unexpected scuffle breaking out on a day of celebration as one of the
2: police officers who shot and killed Stephon Clark. Is confronted by Black Lives Matter protesters on his wedding day. Sacramento police have not released the officers' names due to safety concerns, so we have blurred the faces in the newly released video to protect their identities. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tony Lopez.
0: And I'm Christina Janes. CBS 13 Shirin Rajay joins us live now from the police department with more on this confrontation. Shirin? Tony Christina, the small group of protesters found out about this wedding and they, were, they made sure that they were there just hours apparently before the officer said, I do. And tonight, this confrontation is shedding light on what these officers have been up against, both in and out of uniform. And it's begging the question, is this going too far? I think that they need to be approached in spaces where they're not where they're a little bit more vulnerable. According to video released by Black Lives Matter, one of the SAC PD officers who shot and killed Stefan Clark was gathered in a room with his groomsmen on his wedding day, only to have protesters barge in. I just wonder if you
3: started
0: planning your wedding before you killed Stephon Clark or after. And how you, been, how you been sleeping since March eighteen BLM says they helped plan the confrontation ever since they found the officer's wedding website online with information about the venue, a vineyard, about an hour outside Sacramento. We're not violent, we're not going to hurt anybody, but we are going to make them uncomfortable and they should be uncomfortable because somebody is dead. Is this harassment? Is this going too far? No, I think it's a good, it's the perfect scenario because He's going to remember this day for the rest of his life. Hey
4: guys, get So we can how you're Yeah,
5: I'm concerned. Any time there's injustice on any black person, uh, certainly there's there's a, a right to protest. But I think there are limits between the right to protest in a public place and the right to privacy your 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 wedding
0: no i don't think it was appropriate that's why i say it's the time and place for everything sacramento police say since the tragic shooting back in march the two officers involved have needed additional security they've received a number of death threats and because of it are not working in a patrol capacity
6: people may think that these officers are just going about their lives but this is a very traumatic event for everyone involved.
0: The case that has drawn national attention and sparked protests across the country is still under investigation, with no word from the DA's office on whether or not the officers will be indicted. Stephon Clark's family is still mourning and suffering. He doesn't get to be with his kids anymore, he doesn't get to live his life or get married. And the Sacramento Police Officers Association also responding to this video tonight. They say while they're dedicated to transparency, they also are dedicated to improvements in police policies. But they request the respect of the community and they want their officers to be able to safely raise their families alongside the community. Yo,
4: he took my property! Yes, you did! Give her a hat. Give her Did you not have? What? Don't act like a fascist Dude, the right across guy. the street. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay, we're going to play Okay, we We're going going to play the We're going to play the We're going to play the team. We're going to play the the team. we We're going to play the team.
7: Have a wonderful day. Enjoy your
8: capitalist breakfast. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Filming? This is great. So, ready?
2: And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It is the 9th of August, year of our Lord 2018. Decided to go a day early because I had some good stuff. And as you can hear, oh, yeah, that's more craziness. Craziness all over the place. Uh, it's split up into our front section because we have a serious stuff and then we have less serious stuff. But uh, the first part of that is Blacklight Banners protesters crash wedding cop linked to Stephen Clark shooting. That's nice. A white Antifa man steals a Trump hat from a black girl to protest racism. We heard that. All that stuff about Antifa in Portland. Yeah, CBS News is blaming Trump supporters. Because Antifa burned shit down. That makes sense. But this one I had to put up front before we even get into anything. I know I'm rushing right into it because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Candace Owens. Now, Candace Owens... During the week, took that Sarah Jong racist bullshit and she wrote it like this. Black people are only fit to live underground like groveling goblins. They have stopped breeding and will all go extinct soon. I enjoy being cruel to old black women. The above statements are from New York Times editor Sarah Jong. I simply swapped out the word white for black. Well, here's the problem. A, she's black. But she's a conservative. So that makes her unable to get the get-out-of-jail-free fle- cards, I guess. I-, I don't know. I'm really confused because the New York Times suspended her. Not the New York Times, I'm sorry. Twitter suspended her. It was a joke or a satire of what somebody else said. And they suspended her for using the same words the New York Times editor used about white people they then reinstated her so that was our first drama daily caller weird how this keeps happening to conservatives health ranger sick twitter approves of racism and hate as long as it's directed towards whites new york times hires racist bigoted staffer calls for killing more whites time to Arrest Jack at Twitter for systematic racketeering. The RICO Act. Well, that's a little bit. Jack Kingston, this story is so hashtag rich. Double standard, New York Times is racist, Twitter lockout, Twitter purge, real Candace O, Sarah Jongs. racist Sarah Jong, hypocrisy, walk away New York Times. Even the resistance can't justify this with a straight face. Insanely sane, Twitter has gone out of control. Beat this. Candace O mimics Sarah John. Twitter suspends her while Sarah's account stays active, along with the tweets. And Nan Hayward, MD. So real Candace O was blocked, now rescinded for saying same, same racist tweets for which Sarah John didn't get blocked, just using different targets than white. Check out Nick Mon 112's thorough documentation. And somebody says, racism is racism. Welcome. New York Times welcomes a racist author. But that wasn't the big thing this week for Candace, because then we get into attacks from little white Antifa people with bullhorns. You heard that in the second part of your intro. She tweeted the following Candace Owens, Charlie Kirk and I got attacked and protested by Antifa for eating breakfast. They're currently following us to Philly, all black. And Hispanic police force protecting us As they scream Fuck the racist police To be clear Antifa An all white fascist organization Just grew violent And attacked an all black and Hispanic police force Because I am a black woman Was eating a breakfast Is this a civil rights era all over again Was this a picture of white democrat Using a megaphone to shout violent rhetoric In the ear of a black woman Taken in 1965 Nope It was taken today folks a picture's worth a thousand words. Kind of weird how they just scream, blue whistles, megaphones in your ear. They really do not want to talk. She put a picture up of 1965 and now it's identical. But the difference is, she's a black conservative. She's a black conservative. We'll see how people covered it. Jared Saltzman, I thought was dead on. Democrats haven't kicked this many people out of restaurants in the Civil Rights era. Because, once again, that was them during Jim Crow era. Charlie Kirk did his tweets. So Candace O and I were peacefully eating breakfast this morning. Within 20 minutes, Anna Fah mobilized a protest, started screaming at us, tacked us, and threatened death against us. This is the face that Democrat conservatives aren't safe. Representative Waters called for this if an angry conservative mob formed with two young liberals, one white guy, a black woman eating breakfast and a mob hurled horrific insults through objects and assaulted them the left would call it a hate crime and every major news outlet would be demanding condemnation and they're right so how did the media cover it newsweek chris Hahn wondered whether charlie kirk and candace owens plan to run in with Anifa. so it's their fault just like everything else our side does nothing wrong Alex Griswold, there is literally no evidence cited for this assertion. Some liberal guy just said it, and Newsweek is like, yeah, how about that? Mediate, Republican activist Candace Owens claims she was attacked in Philadelphia. The video's not proof for Dan Abrams, I guess. Not good enough for that fucking shitty-ass organization. Once again, I'm banned for life from (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I guess I'm kind of biased. Then Soledad O'Brien, a woman of color. Candace is a hot, babbly mess, but one must respect the excellent job someone did on her eyeliner. Ariel Davidson, if I had a dime for every time a liberal woman attacked a conservative woman's appearance, the obsession's weird. Dana Lowe, she was recently liberal and had an awakening. Her story's an interesting one and reveals common ground for both sides. But sure, eyeliner. Ivanka dresses too girly to be taken seriously. Fox gals are too blonde to have smart analysis. Now Candace owns eyeliner is the only thing we're t- taking the time to note. But the left is a pro woman's woman side. Am I right? No, they're not. Ari Melber. We have a special civil rights discussion with Michael Eric Dyson, the super race hustler, and real Candace O. I can play the soundbite. She mopped the floor with that racist ass. But here's what happened. Matthew Dowd, who we have not said in a really long time. This is actually a great example of my earlier tweet. Media should not give platforms to people who travel in fictions. The goal should be the truth, not balance. If a guest takes us farther from the truth, they shouldn't be given airtime. Somebody tweeted promptly back to him because I can't. Most conservatives can't because we're blocked by Matthew Dowd. Um, he doesn't want discussion. This is who they had on, and we're going to hear this in our hate tweets. I don't believe that he's a legitimate president, and I think Helsinki was the last straw for a lot of people, Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell lives in fiction. A bunch of liberals. Michael Derek Dyson, yes. Candace O, oh, hell no. Why must he have to put a nut job on your show? After you gave us a great Rosie O'Donnell yesterday, turn around and give us Candace O. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where we went. That's where we went this week. It's unbelievable. Then, to more craziness, it doesn't get any worse than this, says John Cardillo. AP breaking, refugee charged in Colorado officer shooting was set for deportation before federal court ruled on immigration law. The Iraqi refugee charged a shooting of shooting a Colorado officer with separate deportation before federal court struck down a portion of the immigration law defining, defining violent crime abuse. We're not really seeing what was too vague about Kameli. However, from the Denver Post, since arriving in the U.S., Al Khamenei has faced felony and misdemeanor charges of criminal extortion, trespassing assault, parole violations, and contempt of court. Not good enough for sanctuary people. Gary Shapiro, man who shot Colorado Springs officers, an Iraqi immigrant, who was ordered deported in 2016. A judge ruled the immigration laws defining a violent uh, crime was vague. Suspense was released. Officer Sim Kem Duzel is still in critical condition. And then we have, I'd play it, you can't really hear it, Philadelphia mayor doing a happy dance because then there's the next one. Feds charge illegal man who raped child after release from Sanctuary City. Department of Justice prosecuting a previously deported illegal alien from Honduras from illegal reentry while he is in prison for raping a small child after release by the city of Philadelphia. Illegal alien Juan Ramon Vasquez was previously deported in May 2009 and resurfaced on the radar in U.S. authorities. In twenty fourteen, after arrest in Philadelphia, Ice agents were un- unable to detain Vasquez and re redeport him, however, because he was released by the city, which has a sanctuary city policy. So then he goes out and he rapes a kid. Long form story. U.S. Attorney William. M. McSwain announced that Juan Ramon Vasquez, a citizen of Honduras, pleaded guilty today to illegal entry after deportation. In May 2009, the defendant was deported from the United States. Thereafter, in twenty fourteen, the defendant was found back in the United States by U.S. Department of Homeland Security, ICE enforcement. At that time, Vasquez is custody of Philadelphia Department of Prisons. The city of Philadelphia thereafter chose not to comply with the detainer lodged by ICE for the defendant. He was instead released from custody by the Philadelphia Department of Prisons. After his release, the defendant was rearrested and convicted for rape of a child and unlawful sexual contact with a minor. The defendant is currently serving a sentence of 18 to 20 years of state prison. The defendant, having now pleaded guilty to the federal charge of illegal re-entry and deportation, faced a maximum possible sentence of two years of federal prison. He is scheduled a sentence on November 20th. The fact of this case highlight the danger posed by city of Philadelphia decision to disregard guard ICE detainers and release previously deported aliens from local custody, so U.S. Attorney McSwain. Those of us in the law enforcement's business should be doing everything in our power to protect vulnerable children from predators like Vasquez. Instead, this defendant received a pass from the city of Philadelphia. Oh! But there's more! AP breaking court documents say man rested in New Mexico compound was training children to commit shootings! probably saw it on your TV. They initially thought it was a Trump supporter. Then we find out it is a Muslim guy. Nathan Wurlshead. Ah, something mighty important left out of the tweet. It appears to be a madras. Nobody reported that he was a Muslim. They put it out there so everybody thought it was Trump supporters, NRA supporters. But it was a Muslim. All the nets on met. Islamic ties until this morning CNN took out a part that said he was cuz they didn't want to get caught with it and then the truth comes this guy is a disciple of Suraj Senior was an unindicted co-conspirator in the 93 World Trading Bomber he's also Linda Sasar's mentor that's where all this clicks back all the way back to Linda Sasar creator of the women's march yeah but there's more! Pro-Islamic state media outlets call for biological attacks in West. Protesters depict San Francisco. They show a guy in a protective mask putting green smoke, which I don't know what that is. Saudi Arabia this week carried out a crucifixion. Then they tweeted Canada Sticking one's nose where it doesn't belong. And it shows a picture of a plane going towards one of their towers. I shit you fucking not. A Fatah mosque sermon calls on Allah to slay non-Muslims one by one. That was in America. Virginia-based imam. America will be Muslim nation, he says. Yeah. And then there was a guy who's a protester that goes and supports Ali. The persistent Scott Pressler, by the time he got out in his car, all four of his tires were destroyed. Then we learn more about the antiphon Portland. We find out that the mayor blessed it and wouldn't let police do anything about it. Yeah, there it is. We got Peter Fonda this week saying that millennials should be taken by the hand and made to vote for Democrats. And we have more information up front. That the ties of that Chinese spy to fucking Feinstein is deep. It goes way the fuck back. So, that's just the ugly up front. Let's go to fire for effect. fact <laughs> To get to the headquarters now of the Democratic candidate Danny O'Connor and none other than Rebecca Berg is there for us hello to you Rebecca what are you hearing from people out there
3: Good evening. Well, we knew this race would be close, and of course it is. Uh, Democrats not, you know, giving up on this race, certainly, uh, but certain they would like to see Danny O'Connor right now leading. Um, they're defying expectations as it is. This is, this is, a, this is his district. They're cheering for we, we have cnn on in the room as you can see um but this is this is a republican district. i wanted to make sure danny o'connor wasn't coming on stage this is a republican district though it's been a republican district for many years and so they're trying to defy the odds here essentially there's some democratic enthusiasm because of president trump because of the frustration with his administration, uh, but that just gives Democrats here essentially a running start, and they had to finish the race. They knew it was going to be an uphill battle, but they're still within reach, so we'll see those last few votes from Delaware County. That'll be the deciding factor here. Thursday, they're, they're pumped. They're still very pumped here at Daniel O'Connor's election night event.
2: <laughs> Rebecca Byrd, Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You guys know how it is when you're, oh, yeah. when you're out there. And then there's a delay, right? And so all of a sudden, you're like, why are people cheering? And you turn around and you realize and that, they're watching. that they're watching the monitor. So <laughs> hello to everyone. Can we say hello to everyone in Ohio hello. tonight? And thank you so much for watching CNN's coverage. As a matter of fact, our special coverage will continue. That was a special election, of course, which happened. And by now, you already know. But that was Don Lemon literally saying, we're glad you play it in your primary headquarters isn't that friendly i got him i missed one that's really important and in our opening which was a barrage of bad stories this week of violence towards people because of their beliefs Here's another one. Unfriended. Democrat drives to man's house and shoots him after a heated political disagreement on Facebook. Brian Sebring, 44 of Tampa, Florida, was arrested for shooting Alex Stevens, 46, also of Tampa, in the thigh and buttocks after their online disagreement. Police say the row was sparked by a political disagreement on Facebook. Stevens reportedly began sending Sebring explicit messages and threats. Sebring then armed himself with the AR-15 and the Glock, drove around at Stevens' house just two miles away from his home, and opened fire. He fled the scene, but later turned himself in. Yeah. So, that's another Democrat shooting a Republican, and none of that makes your news, does it? Other than New Mexico, which is being done as a mea culpa now. Mea culpa. So, to this special election, um once again, I want you to make sure you understand, Kansas, Georgia, Montana, and South Carolina the Democrats have not won anything. Only Connor Lamb won. But you'll never know that by our media. The blue wave is still coming. And last but not least, and then we're going to get into the real fire for a fact, because I took this and folded it over because I couldn't get it all in the front. GOP wants an investigation after Dems offer Steeler memorabilia for voter registration or to switch parties. That literally happened in Pennsylvania. The mainstream media didn't cover it, but if The shoe was on the other foot. You know that'd be front page news, man. NBC Nightly News would be starting with that shit. That is insane. I mean, what the fuck? Giving stuff to vote Dem? Yeah. So our real fire for effect is going to be a montage of Chuck Todd. Because this is some good shit that I wanted to put up front. Todd with the Media Matters, which is Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton's private anti-Republican media firm, saying that Dems have to embrace socialism. You won't hear any pushback by Todd. Then Todd, Trump's insults, and this is LeBron's kerfuffle, he insults blacks. Yeah, that's what him and, and, and Willie Geist went on. And then he badgers a con, once again, about Trump's Conduct towards the media. The reason why I'm playing this during all three of the sound bites is this: the senior political director of NBC News or an activist for the Democratic National Committee? Because you'll never hear this kind of conduct, badgering statements ever made about Democrats. Oh, all
8: right. I want to ask you about this debate about. De- socialism. I'm going to do so by playing you a clip today from Cynthia Nixon, who of course is the progressive that's challenging Andrew Cuomo for in New York. Here's what she said.
4: The
3: establishment is terrified of that word, socialism. But if we learned one thing from the Obama years, it's that Republicans are going to call us socialists no matter what we do. So
4: we might as well give them the real thing.
8: Look, this is going to be, I I, I think this is going, this is going to be, though, a debate, a big debate point on that Democratic primary stage in 2020, isn't it?
9: I I don't even think it's going to be a debate
10: point. You either embrace the label and own it and be a player, or you can be like Andrew Cuomo and be off in the sidelines and relevant. That's where this is going, because when you really look at what that so-called socialist platform is, and Nixon's right, they're going to accuse us of being communist, Before all is said and done. When you look at it, it's basically health care, access to health care, access to education. I mean, these are things that people actually like. If you go down item by item, people actually want these things. Uh, Donald Trump may not. He doesn't want his taxes to go up. But everybody else kind of does. So I actually want to have that debate. Let them talk about.
8: He did not mention yesterday in the state of Ohio again, Chuck. LeBron James, perhaps wisely not mentioning a guy beloved in that state. Um, Let's talk about that tweet Friday night, uh, insulting the intelligence of both LeBron James and Don Lemon at CNN, an African-American television host. LeBron James is the kind of public figure that a lot of people in this country, including me, uh, suggest our kids look up to. Was this more than an attack on somebody he saw insulting him on television? And why does he keep going back to the insult on intelligence when it comes to African-American leaders in this country? Okay, look, I'm going to get to the second part a minute. But remember what that interview uh, in that interview. Don Lemon did ask LeBron James about talking with the president, and LeBron James made it clear he would never sit across the table from President Trump. So, as we know, when President Trump feels insulted, then he just lashes out an insult. But look, there is a troubling pattern here. Every time he disparages an African-American political opponent of some sort, whether they're an athlete or uh, an actual elected official, he always goes to intelligence. Yep. Always. Um... It's, it's hard not to notice that pattern, and it's hard not to look at it and wonder if there's nefarious motives behind it and some sort of long-term belief system in him, or maybe he's just trying to um, send some sort of dog whistle to his supporters, although I think some would say it isn't a dog whistle, it's just a whistle. Yeah, it sure sounds like it to a lot of people. He called Maxine yep. Waters low IQ, as we heard Always in Kelly's does. piece. Always does yeah. that. Yep. It is a very disturbing um, wh- look, it's disturbing any time you see these personal attacks on anybody, but it's a dis- uh, a, a, because of the motivation behind it, it's very disturbing. We've- yeah, but it, at some point, it, it calling, when, when you call a, a group of people, you otherize them the way he's trying to do with the press, calling them sick and sort of dehumanizing them. It makes violence against the press easier to rationalize for some. That's the concern that many news organizations have right now.
5: Yes, but you could certainly find people on the news saying things about the president that are not appropriate either in terms of right. the. the uh, Two
8: wrongs make a right
5: here. I mean, I, the, I the president so. of the United States I, I is I the leader so. of the free I don't think world. so. Right, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, in depth psychology that goes on on some news stations every day too. I, and I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not sitting right. there condoning that. Right. But I guess there's the so that's the
8: so the president. Should go ahead be, because he doesn't like some blogger that shows up on, on cable television at night.
5: Well, you know, even, even the president and his daughter disagree on yeah. this topic. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, not the way I would approach this and I think not the way you and I would approach I, it. And I, and really I guess product. the question is, how do you convince the president that this is
8: bad rhetoric, that this is dangerous rhetoric, not just, you know, re- a, a bad decorum?
5: I, I think the president really believes that a lot of the news is is not accurate. Mm-hmm. Do you believe and, that? Uh, you can certainly. There's a vast. There's a vast variety of how the the same news is reported. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somebody is not the, the, that that middle of the road news that people my age grew up with is no longer the news. Well, I I, I would respectfully disagree there, particularly on this. Sh-
2: so, I have articles to refute all the shit Todd said. I'm not going to read them all. It's pretty simple, though. Who hasn't Trump called dumb? Stupid? All sorts of people, and they're white and black and Latino. But of course, this is Chuck Todd's way. Of taking it to the next level. We got to make sure people don't vote for the Republicans, goddammit. We can't have this anymore. I cannot handle these uneducated morons deciding the face of America. Gerald Beyer, I sometimes get irritated when I have to defend real Donald Trump because I'm appla- appalled that he is our president and he earns much of the criticism he gets. But this statement by Chuck Todd below is just so without foundation. It's amazing he could say it with a straight fate. It's always with an African American when he questions intelligence. But he says it to everybody. Everybody. Somebody lists it again and again. It's just repetitive. This guy goes through thirty people. He's called stupid. Simple Twitter search is all it takes to bring things like this. I finally just stopped listening. There are more. This is not a nitpick. Chuck Todd's statements was wildly inaccurate. If demonstrably ridiculous statements like this are allowed to stand, not only does it hurt journalism, it hurts race relations. But that's what they want. They want it. It's what they do. But Brian Seltzer's in it. Trump's tweets about the media are downright dehumanizing. He sounds like he's trying to strip away our legitimacy, indeed our humanity. He is leading a hate movement now. It's a hate movement. Really, a hate movement. What the fuck, man? You guys just make shit up and you wonder why people fucking hate you. It's because you just make stuff up. Here's Seltzer going on about this fucking shit. I know we're
1: all used to him tweeting all the time, but just think about what he's saying here. The president, with his back up against the wall, is saying journalists are dangerous, sick, enemies of the people. That's where we are. This is America. Let me show you a few of the reactions from journalists this morning. Chuck Todd calling this outrageous. He's saying here he tries not to take the bait, but this time he's reacting in the hopes that rational folks realize this is wrong and dangerous. Bill Kristol, an outspoken Trump critic, says the president sounds closer in spirit to Vladimir Putin than America. And SV Date, a White House reporter for the Huff Post pointed out that other leaders in the past have also used the phrase enemy of the people. Among those leaders, Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler. Look, enemy of the people does have a Stalin-era connotation. It was used in order to inflict pain and cause violence on populations of people throughout history. If the president doesn't know that, surely someone has told him by now. But you think about what's happened this week. There's been three days of rallies. The president singing the same tune, but singing it more loudly. He's shouting some of these attacks nowadays. And there's certainly been a newfound focus on how he whips up his crowds against the press corps. More and more, I think hate movement is the proper term for what's going on. But President Trump is not just telling his fans to ignore what we report. He's telling people that we are the enemy. Trump and some of his allies are promoting a hate movement against the American press. Now, I've been seeing that term used more and more. The first time I saw it more than a year ago, I think, was uh, by NYU's Jay Rosen. Uh, Others are picking up on it as well. I think it's a helpful frame to understand what the president is doing. When when we see people uh, booing journalists at rallies, when when we see the death threats that come in over social media, it's all part of this hate movement. Really, really?
2: So, we're back to Trump's a racist, he's leading a hate movement. And I want you all to remember, that's why my front section was all the hate and discontent from left-allied organizations, from Muslims to fucking terror camps that are linked to Sassour, Democrats shooting conservatives over arguments, Antifa treating black women like any fucking white person could ever get away with it. If they weren't linked to Antifa. But yes. Trump's leading a hate movement. Sure. Then we go to Alex Jones. Facebook, Apple and YouTube removed pages of podcasts from Alex Jones for hate speech policy violations. Numerous people got so excited about this. And numerous people came back and said it's bullshit. I'm not going to read them all. But I'll read the highlights. Here's CNN. Rafi Zakaria, it's an important step in recognizing hate speech as a form of terrorism. Stephen Miller, Jesus Christ, same media who lampooned conservative concerns over this imagery concept of hate speech being pushed on college campuses are adopting it pretty fast. It's true. Seth Mandel, me, conservatives, please calm down about Slippery Slope banning Alex Jones isn't Leroy Jenkins. David French, banning entities from social media platforms a violation of vague hate speech guidelines is dangerous to free speech. There is a difference between hate speech and actual libel or slander. Bans for the latter are prudent for the former are subject to abuse. Reasons. Banning Alex Jones isn't about free speech, it's about the incoherence of hate speech. Now, I don't follow InfoWars, but I don't think you'd be hard-pressed to show that it's hate speech. It's a kooky conspiracy site. But the more I dug on this, the more I realized it's more than what you think and why I'm covering it. For the record, give a fuck about Alex Jones. But as we'll see through all this, it's a concerted effort. It's deeper than InfoWars, and they allow all sorts of liberal hate speech to flow freely on their sites without persecution. First article: Are tech giants working together to censor conservatives? Apple, YouTube, and Facebook ban Infowars on the same day. They show. This is the gateway pundit. I can't confirm any of this. Facebook has eliminated ninety-three percent of traffic to top conservative websites. YouTube is shutting down conservative pages and demonizing, demonetizing several others, and. The Gateway Pundit, June study of top conservative news outlets, found that Facebook has eliminated 93%. He shows how they've all gone down, how the viewership has gone down, and it's because they're not featuring him. On Monday, Facebook came to the leftist mob, demand censorship of Infowars, and permanently banned him. Um, which we already knew. Let's see. They said the great censorship purge has truly begun. Well, where's it at? We'll see. Articles like this from Democratic-leaning sites. Facebook has a climate denial problem. We find Google refuses to assist U.S. military, bends over China for communist censors. They've censored all sorts of shit. For China, they refuse the Army's request or the military's request. We find... They have taken out a bunch of other accounts. And before we get to it, because I'm screwing this section up, Chris Murphy says this. Infowars is the tip of a giant iceberg of hate and lies. They uses sites like Facebook and YouTube to tear our nation apart. These companies must do more than take down one website. The survival of our democracy depends on it. what was in the middle of the week it was a statement i'm like "Are, are you are you serious so who joins him bill de blasio i don't want to give them a free pass on what they have done to all of us bill de blasio says a media and ads a country would be in a better place without news corp so now we have the second one then later in the week The crackdown continues. Twitter suspends Libertarian accounts, including Ron Paul Institute and the director of the Institute, Scott Horton Show, and Daniel L. McAdams are all suspended during this purge. Then we find Facebook blocks Republican candidates' ad. Facebook has banned Republican congressional candidate Elizabeth Hange's campaign video ad about communist crimes that led her family to flee Cambodia for the U.S., claiming the platform doesn't allow shocking, disrespectful, or sensational content. I saw the ad. It, it wasn't bad. Instagram blocks Tommy Robertson, a far-right activist from England. West Hollywood City Council will vote on resolution to permanently remove Trump's star. That happened this week. YouTube just censored a video criticizing censorship from the Federalists. YouTube just censored another one of PragerU's university educational videos, and this time YouTube went after one criticizing censorship. Prager University also goes by Prager U. The video is questioned, features Wall Street Journal columnist Kimberly Strassel explains common tactics left, leftists use to shut down free speech from conservatives, including intimidation, harassment, and blackmail. It was taken down. New York Times puts out this article that I think is just fantastic. Some mobs are genuine. Arthur was Mark Duplass. When he recommended that his followers follow genuine person Ben Shapiro for honest look at the other side, Duplass got his hand bit for extending it across the aisle and issued an apology for daring to recommend Shapiro. After that, the mob that took down Guardian of the Galaxy, director James Gunn, from his gig directing the third installment of the series, and now we have mobs going after Alyssa Milano for participating in fat-shaming. Netflix series and Scarlett Johansson for wanting to play a trans man. The New York Times' Amanda Hess tackles the idea of the online mob in a piece published Tuesday, but we bet you can guess which mobs are just vicious and which are personally perfectly rational. Hess writes that the Johansson mob, for instance, was dedicated to challenging a fault in the status quo punctuated by trans actors' actors' insights in the way of Hollywood was embracing their stories, but still boxing them out of participating and telling them. It seemed less interested in punishing Johansson than in gaining opportunities for trans people. Perfectly rational, see? Even though it probably results in the film being scuttled entirely and forced Johansson to apologize for standing up for herself. But as for the vicious mob, the gun mob was led by a clutch of far-right men who only framed themselves as outsiders and used as their in the most thoroughly acceptable norm they can find that pedophilia is indefensible. The insecurity of the complaint or the fact that Gunn apologized for his jokes years ago doesn't matter because the goal isn't to change anything. it's merely to destroy a rival. Mark Hemingway sums the piece up. Right-wing mobs bad, left-wing mobs good. Momo, it's okay when our mobs mob. Some mobs are more equal than other mobs. Mobs for we, not for thee, which I thought was pretty funny. So pedophilia is not a big deal on the left, so that was bad. Then this one, Facebook, Farrakhan, anti-Semite conspiracy theories don't violate hate speech rules. Really? So I start researching, okay, what could it be that makes this happen? Number one tweet comes from Jay Rosen. Total newsroom unemployment in the U.S. is down 23% from 2008 to 2017, from 114 to 88,000. So that's part of it. Newsrooms are being decimated. New media is actually getting the word out to the people. They don't like it. It's no different than the Fox. You know, Fox News is always pissed off the regular newsrooms because Fox News gets a lot of listeners, and they don't like that. You know, they don't like that a lot of people are going away from their brand and going over to Fox, and now Fox owns them. So that's part of it. Media is always going to hate other media. Then I discover this article. Twitter is run by Democratic donors and activists. Federal records reveal 80% of Twitter's corporate PAC contributions, in the 2018 election cycle have gone to Democratic candidates, none of whom are moderates. Liberal Democrats also got top dollar in the 2016 race. The lobbying record I reviewed moreover shows Twitter has fought to influence Congress and federal agencies on behalf of Democratic causes and against President Trump's policies. Vice News last month broke the story that Twitter limited the visibility of Republican Party chairwoman Ronna McDaniel and several Republican-leading Hill investigators in the Obama administration efforts to spy on Trump campaign, including Representative David Nunes, Matt Gatz, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, John Ratcliffe. San Francisco-based Twitter blamed it on a search engine filter deployed against bad actors, such as racist, trolls, and users inciting violence, which is maintaining accidental and snare Republicans while curiously failing to affect any Democrats. We enforce our rules without political bias chief legal officer, Vija Gaddis, said in a statement, but Republicans aren't buying it. They blame the unequal treatment on political bias, and they argue the timing is suspicious. They say Republican voices are being suppressed on the 355 million user platform just months before the highly contentious November congressional election. They certainly have a point about bias. Senior Twitter executives heavily favor Democrats over Republicans in their political giving. FEC records show that Gaddis, for starters, has given exclusively to Democrat candidates, including... Including the maximum of donations allowed to Clinton and Obama campaign. Twitter CEO and co-founder Dorsey Jack Type One each also donates only to Democrats. And in 2017, he and executive chairman Omid Kordestani together donated 530 thousand to ACLU to fight Trump's travel ban. Oh, that's not biased. Okay. Twitter gave $1.6 million to the anti-Trump ban effort. Cordesian is a big Democratic donor, contributing the maximum to Clinton and Obama, as well as to former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. Siegel has also contributed to DNC coffers. And then there's more, former Twitter CEO, current board director and major stakeholder, Evan Williams. He's shelled out more than 600,000 the Democratic Party and Democrats running for federal office. FEC records show, meantime, he has stiff Republican and GOPs. What's more, Williams in the past two presidential races pumped an additional 750,000 in soft money pack prior to USA. The largest Democratic super PAC, which contributes to leftist groups to help them turn out the vote for Democrats, Priority USA is heavily funded by billionaire George Soros. As one of the Twitter's largest investors, no doubt adding to his remorse was the three hundred twenty-three thousand he spent on the Hillary Victory Fund, another super PAC, last month. Twitter purged more than three hundred eighty thousand. I mean, last last month. I am sorry. Twitter purged over three hundred eighty thousand of Trump's followers, claiming they were bots. Hmm. Isn't it funny how you don't hear any of these names, but you hear the Koch brothers? It's just one of my things I always talk about. How is money bad when Hillary had a billion and Trump spent like 400 million or some shit? How is it bad? Somebody answer me that on the left. I'd really love it. So I kept digging, and here's the money shot and why I'm talking in a weird tone today because everything has a punchline. Here's a punchline. Remember, control. They want the weapons, not because they don't believe you should have a weapon. They don't want you to have the weapon because they want to control you. They want you on food stamps. They want you on free phones. They want you on free college because if you take that You'll always vote for him. Remember, it's the carrot. They must control things. The, ru- the whole Trump presidency was abnormal. He used the Internet better than Obama did. He didn't spend big money. He did grassroots. He won the presidency. It scared him. So they cooked up the Russia conspiracy because they had to cover up their own Russian conspiracy. Uranium One, all the parts with Hillary paying for dossiers. They had to cover that shit. They got caught doing their own rigged election with Bernie Sanders. So they spun this to cover that. And the media went with them because they didn't want to talk about that shit. And we talked a million times on the show. How it was out there during the convention. It was obvious, but the media just ignored it. Never reported the takeover of their own tent. The bots didn't do much damage as they think they did. They've lied out to say that they elect they had fucking vote tampering on the fucking polls. That's all lies. They can't control the internet. They use everything they can. They have Twitter and Facebook on their side, Google, Apple. Microsoft, they're all part of their, their fucking team, and they censor, suppress, ban, do everything they can to keep the, the voices off, they can't control the internet, they control the mainstream media, they have ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, they have fucking CNN, they have MSDNC, they have the New York Times, WAPO, LA Times, all the ma- Chicago Tribune, every one of these are liberal, They own it. But the internet, they don't own it. They can't control it. And then you read articles like this. Senate Democrats are circulating plans for government takeover of the internet. What? Yeah. All your base belong to us a leaked memo circulated among senate democrats containing a host of bonker authoritarian proposals for regulating digital platforms purportedly as a way to get tough on russian bots and fake news to save america trust In our institutions, democracy, free press, and marketing, I suggest, we need unprecedented and undemocratic government intervention into online press and markets, including comprehensive GDPR-like data protection legislation of the sort enacted on the EU. Titled Potential Policy Proposal for the Regulation of Social Media and Technological Firms, the draft policy paper penned by Senator Mark Warner and leaked by an unknown source to Axios. The paper starts out, and Axios is a liberal site, by the way. The paper starts out by noting that Russians have a long-spread disinformation, including when the Soviets tried to spread fake news denigrating Martin Luther King. Here he fails to mention that the Americans in charge of the time did the same. But now it's different, because technology, today's tools, seem almost built for Russian and disinformation techniques, Warner opines, and the ones that come, he assures us, will be even worse. Here's how Warner is suggesting the deal. Mandatory location verification, the paper suggests focusing social media platforms to authenticate and disclose the geographic origin of all user accounts or posts. Big brothers watching you. Mandatory identity verification, the paper suggests forcing social media and tech platforms to authenticate user identities and only allow authentic accounts. Inauthentic accounts not only pose threats to our democratic process, but undermine the integrity of digital markets. With failure to appropriately address inauthentic account activity, punishable as a violation of the SEC disclosure rule. This means even liberal activists won't be able to have a fake account where they can call everybody fuckheads. Hmm. Bot labeling, and then finally define popular tech as essential facilities, a government takeover of the internet. Do you see why I covered Alex Jones briefly and went to that? So this is what it's all about. You're going to see more you're going to see more people banned. You're going to see more people taken off platforms. You're going to see more suppression than just Alex Jones, which is why Alex Jones is wrong. You ban him, you start the slippery slope. What's next? Because you can't justify any of it. Alex Jones is a fucking move back crazy guy. But you support Antifa posts, Al-Qaeda posts. You say that's free speech in a country we're supposed to be able to handle free speech. No. They're doing this at the bidding of the Democratic National Committee. They're all donors for it. And that's why this is all happening. And anybody who listens to this show realizes... Just two podcasts ago, we said Russia was fucking around with the midterms, right? It was pushing abolish ICE. That's why I went off the screen. So, Russia helping you is good? Which is it? They weren't trying to cook the books and get Republicans elected. They were fucking doing disinformation to push an already established norm in Democratic policies. Maybe they pushed that it was more than just the normal people. But I'm hard pressed to find anybody in the Democratic Party that's not saying abolish ICE. Who isn't? Nancy Pelosi, that's it. Your number one team says it. Your party chair says it. Is that why you're doing this? Because you don't want Russia to now say what's true? What you really think? I'm confused. But as a red-blooded American, I gotta say, that's pretty fucking extreme. So Democrats own all media platforms right now. They push everything they want. Everybody that owns social media platforms pushes everything you want also And is your Gestapo to block any other opinions from getting out? And that's not enough? You now want to control the internet, Democrats? So is this about freedom of speech? Or your party? I'm asking. Because I'm confused as fuck where the line is being drawn once again on what free speech is. Because everything coming out of the media and out of your campaign speeches, it isn't free speech. It's liberal speech. Whatever liberals do is okay. Because just this little disconjoined clusterfuck, 30 minutes of a podcast, we've had a black woman attacked by white people with bullhorns, whistles, and shouted down. That's racist as fuck for anybody else. You people are talking about eyeliner. Wow. To our tweets of the day. The day, the first one comes from actress Milas Kunis and it was done by Life News. Actress Milas Kunis has no idea anyone's pro-life. I never realized someone would disagree with Infantside about a peak Hollywood as a person can get. Why'd they say that? Her exact statement. I didn't even know people opposed abortion. Really? You think everybody's cool with killing babies? Where the fuck have you lived? Then, Brian Seltzer decided to block red states because he got on them for being unreliable and saying that whole hate group and lies and all this stuff when, well, l- let me play this. This is Seltzer talking to the press secretary for Bill Clinton.
1: Joe Wait, is this just is this what how it works? Is this how it works in White House press shops? I mean, you, you were there for years in the Clinton administration. Someone just hands yeah. you a piece of paper and you no. read it and you, you lie to the public.
6: No, it's this is uh, is, this has never happened before. We've had, uh, you know, we've had great presidents, we've had terrible presidents, um, Republicans and Democrats, but we've never had anything like this. Where a president, we have a president who is incapable of telling the truth. He, you know, the Washington Post averages something like seven and a half to eight lies a day. The the press secretary, um, even with an honest president, is very, very hard because you're balancing the interests of the president's political fortunes and the government. With the press and the public's right to know things, and it is hard. But I think you know both Sean Spicer and Sarah Sanders—they've crossed the line here, where they they now the, the the facts don't matter, and they reflect the boss. They you know if boss lies, well then I can lie, and that's that's just a terrible place to be for the country, uh, and it has consequences. The consequences of it. The the White House podium used to be a place that around the world people you know you could take it to the bank. This is our policy. This is what we're doing. Right now, no one knows what the truth is. And, and, and they, you know, they could say, you know, the sun's going to come up in the east tomorrow and there'd be speculation that it's not going to uh, because the the lies just get told. And I think for for um, uh, for Sarah Sanders, she's gone beyond the point of being just in a tough situation with a hard boss. And she's now, you know, uh, aiding and abetting the process. And, well, I- and the process is designed to undermine the public confidence in the one
2: Yeah, Bill Clinton, folks. Bill Clinton argued the word it. But we're talking about misinformation. Okay, so Stephen Miller got all over it and said, well, there it is. By the end of the day, he blocked him like everybody does. But understand, Red State's a journalist. He does op-eds. Journalists usually don't block journalists. It's pretty extreme. But why do I have a tweet of the day? Because it's really funny. And that's it. Miller has officially won Twitter and the internet and everyone else can go home. He had to block you to save democracy. It was just a matter of time. The simple truth is Brian Seltzer and his cohorts don't want to be accountable to their audiences. They only want you to praise them as if they're a Spartan 300 standing stalwart against the conservative hordes. (laughs) Educated Hillbilly shows his block but my favorite comes from Mike Out Yonder. And this is how I feel. Someday Brian Seltzer will actually read one of my tweets. He he does it now. And he's gonna block me. And I'll think of it as Mike Out Yonder thinks of it. Achievement level unlocked. <laughs>
4: Yeah.
6: You have a message of what you want to happen with this president.
10: Well, I think most of America wants him to be out. Although you can't tell that from reading some of the, you know, watching Fox News or whatnot. We've got just a couple months till November, and till then uh, we have to fight with everything we got because if somehow they're able to rig the elections again, as I believe they did in 2016 then uh, we're going to all be in trouble as democracy dies right here on our watch. Did they come in there and make Trump win when every single exit poll and every person in America knew for sure that Hillary Clinton was going to win? Do you think that there was anything to do with Russia or just a real big swirl for Donald Trump in these specific areas with the same exact amount of votes that were needed? I don't know. It looks very hanky to me. All right. There but- will be a call for impeachment from all those not heard who are the majority in America. No, I am not. I am believing in the American people. I believe in this country. I believe in what it was founded on. I believe in the Constitution. I think that on Election Day, we're going to show up in a huge way, in a way that we haven't ever seen before in the United States. And people have just really had enough. They've had enough of a president who separates families and puts babies in cages. You know all of the catchphrases. Every day he does something worse than the day before. And he tops it and tops it and tops it. I believe that Trump is loathed in America, that people are embarrassed and ashamed of who he is, and that come election day we're going to stand up at the polls and let him know. And unless he goes in and has the Russians kind of fix it like he did last time in 2016, Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to see him gone, and that's what I'm waiting and hoping for and hoping that people across the country are inspired to use their own voice in whatever way to get people to know that this country is worth fighting for. Well, when you report the economy, you report how it affects the top one percent, or you affect you report how it affects everyone. The economy is doing good if you're a multi-billionaire. It's not doing good, and the tax cuts didn't do good for the average American. So I don't believe that the economy is thriving with the um, metrics that you guys are using. But the fact of the matter is, he's not only bad because he's a liar. He's bad because he doesn't know how to inspire people or evoke that emotion in them of what of about truth his rallies? And knowing and. There, first of all, people are paid, Chris. You know that. People were paid since he went down on the escalator. He pays people to show up that rally. Right, but rallies. I don't that know that fact. that's
6: I'm not going to say they're all bought off. They're all fake, because I think that's BS. I don't think it's true, and I'm not going to play to it just because it's satisfying.
10: But you could do the evidence to find out. Sure, whether we do or it not all the time. True, and then lead with that we do lead it all with the that time. story before you play his rally
2: that's rosie o'donnell up front you heard her doing her singing with broadway and then you hear her on fucking cnn and that's okay that is truth that's not fiction but you know once again a conservative gets attacked by white people is is fiction okay got it but this started with A lot of articles on it. Rosie O'Donnell and Broadway star will protest outside the White House. Association for Press reports Rosie O'Donnell and cast members from some of Broadway's biggest musicals plan to serenade President Trump on Monday but from outside the White House. In protest! The group will sing people's song, Less Miserable, What the World Needs Now is Love, Brandy Day, The Wiz, Climb Every Mountain, The Sound of Music. Oh, that just sounds fucking horrible. Another article, Dragon Energy, Early photos from Rosie O'Donnell Broadway protest show this thing going to be lit. And it shows people from Hamilton, they all got together, had treason letters. A Kremlin annex singing protest is currently taking place in front of the White House. Somebody asked, just I just can't remember, Did Republicans do this when Obama became president? Or is this what we actually have jobs and families take care of instead of idiotic crap like this? And here's the punchline. The punchline of it all. Trump wasn't even there. He was not even at the White House when they did this. A lot of people asked, Why didn't you check that? You're going to protest the guy. Do it when he's there. But if you saw it, the crowds were not that big. People just... They're getting tired of this shit. I don't care if you got fucking, if you brought stained out or God smack to protest the president, A, I'd stop listening to them because I don't listen to anybody that protests anybody because my music's my music, but for Christ's sake, I wouldn't go if Rosie O'Donnell was there. Another hate tweet that I just love showing, because remember, conservatives, as we've learned in the front section, even though it was disconjoined and I was all fucked up because so I had 85 phone calls, animals, and I need to go back to just doing podcasts on Sunday. They get banned for shit. Ro- you know, Roseanne got banned for doing a picture of a lady. This is actually tweets from uh, Blue Check, Tim Doyle. I'd be terrible if someone beat Jordan Peterson with a sack of doorknogs. Everyone reported this tweet for threatening violence against me. Honestly, if Gen Con could guarantee an alt-right hate troll got beaten up every year, I'd start going. Understand the middle tweet. That guy actually did get blocked for saying bad things about Tim Doyle. But Tim Doyle saying sacks of doorknobs and a troll beaten up did not get blocked. So Okay, that makes sense. Caitlin Bennett went out and did her picture of herself with a gun, if we remember? A couple podcasts ago. So, what is the left's response? Haley Davis, recent graduate of University of Louisville, who just mocked Bennett, takes her photo. Now that I've graduated from the University of Louisville, I can finally arm myself on campus. Come and take it! And she's holding a dildo. That sounds about right for lefties. This one pissed me the fuck off. Neighbors in Cedar Falls, Iowa... Called police on 10-year-old girls selling cookies to pay for school clothes. She made her own cookies. She was selling them. She got good business, and she bought her school clothes. Pretty fucking responsible. Any adult on the planet would go, God damn, that's a good kid. I wish my fucking lazy-ass kids would do that shit. I mean, I I love my kids, but fuck, they didn't buy shit, bro, and I'm going to buy everything. Yeah. They called the cops because of the traffic. They didn't like the traffic. It pissed them off the fuck is wrong with you? Then another great symbol of lefty fucking hypocrisy. Here's Kathy Griffith. Oh, fuck off. Police in Portland of all cities siding with the protesting Nazi Proud Boys in prayer. Some shit. White America has to face the harsh reality that cops are largely racist. Yeah, I said it. The cops are fighting the actual Portlanders and calling them antifa. So now she thinks cops are racist. People said, oh wait, that's right. It's another tired talking point that was old when it started with Obama still president. Sad Kathy. She tries so hard to be relevant and this is the best she can come up with. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Then we have this incredibly funny hate tweet. Because this guy goes out to mock, I'm going to go out and meet Trump supporters. He's a Vox reporter. And he's mocking it. But the left still can't, they don't understand satire. I'm a reporter from New York City Uh, and a liberal.
4: And the 2016 election happened. I was just completely caught off guard. I had this thing, like a lot of people, that I just didn't know my country anymore. And I, I didn't know what I had missed. And so I decided to take a tour of Trump country, starting here in central Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm going to try to talk to people and get some answers and, and learn a little bit, so. Why did you do it? Why did you do it? Why did you do it? Why did you vote for it? Why did you vote? Why? Why? Is it abortion? Do we need to have fewer abortions? Is that the problem? And why do you watch Fox News? It's not true much it. So, why do you watch it so much? And why did you vote for it? Why do you like him? Why did you do it? What's wrong with you? I just think the Democratic Party has moved too far. Driving through Trump country, one thing you'll notice is the radio, it's country and talk radio. There's no nothing, no hip hop. Country. You're in and
11: right now. Christian
2: Christian again. So I could say that, you know, the third station he tuned to was hip hop, but okay, all Trump photos are rednecks. Got it. Great. That's not what I'm covering in this because this is hate tweets. The left. Jesse Benjamin. Why are Americans so polarized? What really happened in the 2016 election? I'm leaving my liberal bulb to find out. Adam Anti M. We've got to stop referring to life in diverse environments full of different races, religions, and political stripes, a bubble. I spent a lot of time in Oklahoma and Texas and Virginia where white people spend all the time around other white people. That's the bubble. Cannot stomach one more insight into the psyche of Trump voters. Gag me. Good luck with that. There's a whenever much of us who live there and we have known all along. It's called racism. Stop giving racists a platform. Please stop doing this. The Democrats won the country by two point eight million votes. There are more registered Democrats than Republicans. Why can't you recognize the country? He just lost it on the poor guy. A, he was doing his satire. B, he's a liberal like you. C, you're all fucking morons. I have lived every place in this country, from California, South Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee. The only place I lived that was predominantly white was Beaverton, Oregon, folks. Now, granted, I lived next to military bases, but I never lived in a neighborhood that was all white once I left the house. Now, are my parents racist? No, that's where they bought their house. It was predominantly white at that time because the inner city had African-Americans. This is the fucking 80s, 70s, early 70s, late 70s. I think they bought their house in 79. Every place else I've had it... Mixed race. So I don't know what you're talking about. Secondly, that two point eight million votes, that's California's just shut the fuck up. You didn't win the country. It's called electoral college. Get over yourself. Let's go to hypocrisy o the day.
5: Hypocrisy! What we're witnessing every day is the story of our time.
3: What's going on behind the scenes at the White House today?
5: He could find himself in jail. We couldn't do this without the best reporters.
3: Hey, Laura, can you find out who's writing on this?
5: This one, to me, is just a whole new level. Take you. one. We're going to try to give you the best review of this
11: day in the life of this presidency
5: as we come on the air tonight we have breaking news
2: that was a new promo for lion brian getting all the drama queened up in there and and let's be honest um you're a liar brian right and when obama lied you guys ignored it so shut the fuck up Next one, unhinged salon rider. Trump could be the next Hitler. This is a confusing title for me because you guys have already called him Hitler. So what does that mean? Let's read it. They call him a racist cult leader and foreign agent, but now they're going to the full Hitler. After just recently digging up some professional willing to claim that the Trump movement is aimed at taking down democracy, salon writer Chauncey DeVega found a history professor with even less professional self-respect. A faculty member of the University of Louisville at Lafayette, Richard Frankel, talked with DeVega in an interview post on Salon website. on. On August 6th, 6th, in which the historian discussed the possibilities of the Trump administration turning into the fourth Reich. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty scary. As a historian, my natural tendency is to always try to stop people from invoking Hitler, claimed Frankel. But now with Trump, my, no doubt, heroic resistance and that of other historians to make the comparison is becoming overcome. Frankel and De Vega compared ICE detention centers to concentration camps, relating Trump's racism to Hitler anti-Semitism and even drawing out similarities between Hitler enabling good Germans and Trump voters. Some voted for Hitler for economic reasons. Some voted for nationalistic reasons. The frightening part, of course, is all those people weren't bothered enough by Hitler's anti-Semitism, Frankel remarked. Just like in this country and Donald Trump commented De Vega. Exactly, said Frankel. The thing is, Trump does not have to do a lot of things like Hitler for people to be worried, according to them. If we wait for Trump and his movement to fully become like Hitler and the Nazis, the historian stated, then it's already too late. With Trump, nationalistic rallies, and all his language and imagery, he is setting up an environment where violence is possible. No one should be surprised when the violence occurs because we have seen that throughout history... This article says what I was about to say. Does he mean violence already happening in fucking Portland? Yeah. So if people don't get out there and vote Democrat. ICE is going to turn in the next SS and minorities will be killed in gas chambers. At least that's what liberals like Dr. Frankel want to scare you into thinking with their expert opinions. Yeah. You fucking, the fourth right? Really? Then you got Jennifer Rubin. Sarah Sanders should never be hired by anyone. Anyone. That's how far she went. And remember, that's the conservative, the only conservative they have on WAPO. Okay. Yeah, we'll go there. But our big news is another stumble upon, just like the takeover of the internet, interweb, this is from 2016. I don't think I covered this on the show. If I did, I apologize for covering it again because it's just too meaty not to. At least 65 MSM reporters were meeting with and are coordinating offline with top Hillary advisors. This is buried in WikiLeaks. Somebody just printed it out. They were sent an invite in April 2015 To come visit. The infight is, this is off-the-record dinner with the key national reporters, especially, though not exclusively, those that are based in New York. Much of the group included influential reporters, anchors, and editors. The goals of the dinner include giving reporters their first thoughts from Team HRC in advance of the announcement, setting expectation for the announcement and launch period of what you're going to print, framing the HRC message and framing the race, Enjoying a Friday night drink before working more. As a reminder, this is called for six thirty on Friday, april tenth. There are several attendees including Diane Sawyer, who will be there promptly at six thirty, but have to leave by seven. You want to know who went? Cecil Vega, David Murr, Diane Sawyer, George Snephalocus, and John Carl from ABC. They helped frame her message. Bloomberg, Heilman and Halpern, is that surprising? CBS, O'Donnell, Nora Type, and Vicki Gordon. CNN, Keller, Chilean, Borger, Zelini, Berman, Bolden, Preston, Feist, and that's why their coverage is the way it is now. Daily Beast, Jackie Kucinich. MSDNC, Wagner, Foy, Griffin, Maddow, and Rasusand, which I don't know who that is. Savannah Guthrie was there. New York Times, it's pretty simple, all of them. Chosick, Collins, Martin, Halberman, Healy, Politico, Thrush, and Allen, and John Allen from Vox were there. Then they had a second meeting of twenty-five reporters, that had a dinner with Podesta the night before at Podesta's house. At his house. You know all these names. Ken Thomas, Lear, April Ryan, Jennifer Epstein, we covered on the show. John Harwood, Dan America, Alex Seiswalt, Mark Murray, Tamara Keith from NPR, Amy Chozik, and Maggie Haberman came back for seconds. The hors must have been to die for. And everybody at the Wall Street Journal. That's what they went to prior to the election. Now, for those out there that are going, well, that's just a presser. Everybody does it. Trump didn't do it. Romney didn't do it. And the difference is if Romney or Trump did do it, None of these people would show up, and it wouldn't be off the record. They would go out and say, they tried to solicit us to help frame their message. Goes back to the Twitter screed I just went on. You already control the message. You own everything, and it's not good enough for liberals not good enough because they don't realize the message doesn't resonate going over and over about how i need to care about the 0.6% of america that can't figure out what their dick or vagina's for is more important than putting food on a table and that i should hate everybody that doesn't look like me that message didn't work you don't have a message so instead of changing the message and trying to go back and talk to americans and get them to vote for him on merit. We're just going to control the media. We're going to control every avenue we can get our hands on. Including the internet. And you won't have a choice but to listen to what the fuck we have to say. The simple fact that Hillary Clinton lost that election. With the coverage she got. The ignoring. I, I don't care what. They they covered her fucking server. But they didn't cover it like the 47%. They didn't cover it like Katrina for Bush. They didn't cover it like Abu Ghraib for Bush. They didn't cover it at all like it would be a conservative. They would put those people out of the race if they got caught with a server. State secrets. Destroying devices. They put them out of the race. But to my point, all that coverage, she still lost. Not because of Russians, not because of vote tampering, that message, what the American people didn't want. And now you're going into the next election, and what are you actually talking about? Abolishing ICE, open borders. Everybody's a xenophobe if they don't want open borders. We read the polls. America ain't down with that dog pound. Just not. So our last hypocrisy is a non-hypocrisy. I stumbled across this. I, I had to talk about it. This guy blocked me, by the way. So before he wasn't such a great journalist, but he is now. Shamori Stone. He's a anchor for a major city. Doesn't say in his profile. Some of you send me DMs asking my personal opinion about Trump, race, relations, and politics. It's a waste of your time asking. I'm a journalist. I'm not a commentator or a pundit. I report the news objectively, fairly, and keep my opinions to myself. Hope this helps you understand. Chuck Todd would do well to listen to that because his opinion comes out in his show every weekend. Two stats of the day.
11: You can talk about the weather, but the weather didn't pull the trigger. And you can talk about jobs and they count, but in the city where there aren't jobs, people did not pull a trigger. There are values, there are too many guns on the street, too many people with criminal records on the street, and there is a shortage of values about what is right, what is wrong, what is acceptable, what is condoned, what is condemned. And we as a city, in every corner, have an accountability and a responsibility. If you know who did this, be a a neighbor. Speak up. Neighbors, come together.
2: The city will be with you. That was Rob Emanuel, because this weekend, 66 shot, 12 fatally in Chicago weekend shootings. Violent weekend in Chicago left 12 people dead and dozens more wounded. Police said Chicago police said a total of 66 people were shot at 6 p.m. on Friday to midnight on Sunday, and 12 of those victims have died. Shootings were concentrated in four police districts on the south and west sides. Among the victims were 17-year-old girls shot in the face, 17-year-old boys shot on a bike. At a press conference Monday morning with Mayor Rob Emanuel, Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson said more needs to be done to hold repeat gun offenders accountable. As long as we fail to hold repeat gun offenders accountable for their actions are going to keep having these discussions on Monday mornings. Johnson said Johnson said Superintendent Johnson said they're investigating leads on a number of shootings but have not made any arrests in the shootings, Johnson stressed the importance of community and police cooperation. We're all supposed to be on the same side, he said. Some res- residents know this battle against violence will not be won just with policing. The police are not going to save us. The city is not going to save us. The cavalry is not coming. The Calvary is us. We have to save each other," said Tamma Manassan mother against senseless killing. Manassan is a one-woman cavalry. She sits on the corner of Seventy Fifth and Stewart in Inglewood every day and has four year has for four years. It's a matter of how, we, how do we get people to stop being afraid to come out of their homes and to re-engage with society. Once we take ownership of our blocks again, then it changes everything, Emmanuel said. He visited Strauger and Mount Sinai Hospital to thank those that treated the victims of the violence. It may not have been in your community, may not have been in your community, may not have been on your block, but that neighborhood, that community, that block is the city of Chicago and it's part of our home. Sounds good, but then it spills over to Monday. Violence spilled over to Monday morning, including a murder that happened just about after midnight in Roseland neighborhood, not far from Chicago State University. A person in a ski fired shots of two people standing in front of a home. 50-year-old man died and a 54-year-old woman was hurt. In the Fuller Park neighborhood, three people were shot by someone in a ski mask and a black hoodie. The shooting occurred at 4300 block of South Wentmore Avenue at around 2.26 a.m. Two men were in a parked vehicle, and a third man was standing near it when shots were fired. 32-year-old man was shot twice in the arm, and 33-year-old was shot in the hip. Both men were transferred to the University of Chicago Hospital in stable condition. Another one, 26, was grazed. A man shot, fatally shot, my neighbor, after alleged dog pee argument, that was part of the 66, it's a fucking tragedy. It's not racial, it's a fucking tragedy. And it's the hypocrisy. People say, why well, conservatives talking about Chicago? Fuck, we're going to talk about Chicago. Right now in Nashville, I don't have enough information to even cover it. A, a black man was shot by the police, it looks like when he was running away. It is national news. 66 fucking people shot in Chicago is not national news. That's why I cover it. You will take one police shooting, make it emblematic of all police officers. Black, white, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They're gay, straight, women. Doesn't fucking matter. They're all racist. Yet 66 fucking people were shot in Chicago. And you don't cover it, media. Al Sharpton doesn't roll over there. Watch episode two to Trayvon Martin. Al Sharpton literally said, if I didn't bring a bunch of people down there, this wasn't going to be a news story. And I needed it to be a news story. I needed to make it about race. Those are his words in the interview for the documentary. That's why conservatives or conservative-leaning people like me talk about Chicago. Because you don't go up there And bring the media and make it about race. Because it is a race problem. Black men are killing off black men. Black women are aborting black babies at an alarming rate. African Americans wouldn't make up 13% of the country, or whatever the fuck statistic was last week in a podcast. They'd be a lot higher if Planned Parenthood wasn't killing off millions and gang violence wasn't killing off black youth. Make that a story, media. And maybe conservatives won't talk about Chicago. Talking about socialism and changing the subject because this whole subject pisses me the fuck off. It's a travesty. There's more people shot in Chicago every year than in Afghanistan. That's a war zone. This came from fucking Vox. So you moon bats out there, shut it. The democratic socialist proposals that they're putting out right now, that's part of their ban ice and turn everybody into socialists, would cost 42 trillion over the decade and 218 trillion over 30 years. Taxing the rich is not enough. America would need to match or even surpass Europe's enormous tax burden on the middle class. There is no evidence that American voters will accept this level of taxation. That's from Vox. So when Ocasio and the other motherfucker that we're supposed to vote for got his ass handed to him in a special election from Havana, can't remember his name. He was all over the place. I took him out once he lost. Um, He was socialist. When they're talking about all this shit, which came from Obama, came from Obama, who now tries to act like he didn't talk about it. You can't do it in America. It's impossible. You want to see fucking riots? Give us a European tax. Regular Americans will be in the street. They'll be black, white, Spanish, gay, straight. They'll be burning shit down like Antifa wishes they could. Next fantastic stat. The live cable show that beats Fox News, CNN, and MSDNC combined. It's live PD. Well, well on our way through the second half of 2018, the cable news rating wars are still raging on. In this hyperdrive news cycle, there's been a shortage of content that needs to be covered. And even through MSDNC and CNN are still pulling in big numbers. Fox News still rules the roost with four out of five most watched cable news shows in July. According to Nielsen, in the 25 to 54 demo, Sean Hannity came in first with 630,000 viewers. Rachel Maddow is supposed to lead all media if you read the left leaning media. She only got five hundred thousand. But all that combined doesn't even add up to what Live PD does. They are destroying everybody in the eighteen to forty-nine. That's pretty fucking fantastic. I like the show. I don't like Dan Abrams. I wish they'd take him off because he's becoming too political, but I like the show. And our last one, before we go into music break, I mean, today I'm just going to randomly pull a song. I don't even know what it's going to be. Nobody knows. It's just going to be a click. So it might suck. Ford celebrates his 10 millionth Mustang while banking on a car's draw. 10 million Mustangs. That's fucking Amazing. Boys wanted a '65 Mustang for my baby. Man, she's never gonna let me buy it. So let's go to music break. Come back on the other side. We go news, social media nuggets.
11: I'm dreaming of a wild
4: Smiles, just like the ones I used to know.
11: Where the treetops
4: glisten and children listen to hear the sleigh bells in the snow. Oh, I'm dreaming of a while. Tops listen, and children listen, to hear the sleigh bells in the snow, children listen to the sleigh bells in the snow, oh I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, <laughs> with every Christmas card I ride, every time I ride a Christmas card to may made. your may days be merry and bright, <laughs> I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, Ooh, just like the ones I used to know. Where the tree tops kiss wow. and children listen wow. to hear the sleigh bells jingle. Let's I it's and yourselves because it's really
1: groovy now it's time for news and social media nuggets the crazy stuff that makes your host lose
11: his mind it's a whole new ball game on campus these days and they call it pc pc politically correct and it's not just politics it's everything it's what you eat it's what you wear and it's what you say if you don't watch yourself you can get in a
5: buttload of trouble for
11: instance, see these right girls? Yeah.
5: No, you don't. Those no, are women. No, you, you call them no, girls and no. they'll pop your figs. Save the
10: whales. Yay, in the
4: military now. We <laughs> don't dig no, this.
2: Military Corner. The Army's tested the new Hakai 105mm Howitzer mobile artillery system developed by Mandis Group, and it's mounted on the back of a fucking Humvee. It's for the 82nd Airborne Division. Looks like them and the 101st will be getting them. It's pretty fucking badass. Air Force takes first step to buy a new light attack fleet. After years of discussion, the U.S. Air Force has taken the initial steps to buy commercial off-the-shelf aircraft for its light attack air fleet, the service alerting defense firms to compete the light attack aircraft program that is intended to begin soliciting bids in December as part of Phase 1, four aircrafts, the A-26, A-29, as well as the Air tractor and L3s AT-802L Longsworth and Textron and Airlines LLC Scorpion conducted demonstrations and weapons drops during their experiment at Holloman in August 2017 this is a prop plane which by the way I did see in Afghanistan yeah, just a prop it's like a fucking Cesta old school bomber so um, they're looking for that for light attack that's pretty cool And, you know, I think the betterment with those is longer staying on the objective. Not as high tech. Gets the job done. Then there's this shocking news for geocachers. And it's scary. It doesn't look like it pertains to GPS. Because I would shit the bed. I mean, Afghanistan, we had 8 by 11 maps. You know, we had the big Russian ones, which you couldn't really carry in your pocket. Remember, I was light infantry. And so without my Garmin... I would have been lost. I mean, just seriously lost. The maps were fucking horrible. But the Army, well, I'll just read the article. Kiss your fitness apps goodbye, motherfuckers. This guy's from Task and Purpose. Love broadcasting your fitness routine to everyone and their mothers. Bad news, you're a vain bastard. The Department of Defense is cracking down on service member use of geolocation services out of concern for operational security, which means you can no longer digitally flex for your fellow warfighters and their spouses while downrange. According to an August 3 memo from Deputy Defense Secretary Patrick M. Shanahan, released to the public on Monday, DOD personnel are hereby prohibited from using geolocation features and functionality on both non- Governmental and governmental issue devices, while deployed. Okay, there it is. While deployed, I was reading along. So basically, you won't be able to eight miles in Kandahar perimeter. Can't can't do that anymore. Probably good. I, once again, I'm just glad I went to war when we didn't have all this bullshit. No cell phones, no bullshit. It was fuck mags. That was the worst thing we had over there. Fuck mags. We shouldn't have had those either. But, you know, hell. That's all we had. Everything else was fucking old school. No phones. No nothing. You're fighting a fucking war. You're not digitally flexing. DOD to send 200 soldiers to fight wildfires as Western State burns. Then I had a huge article about Extortion 17. What really happened on America's deadly day in Afghanistan. And that's the one with all the SF guys that got blood on the sky. problem with this article, and why I'm not going to read it, is at the end they mock it. This is, once again, task and purpose. Um, they mock it for the conspiracy theories. In here they say, it's just like people saying that Bush took down the, the World Trade Center. That flight, I don't care what you say, that was payback for OBL. It was the same guy's. They took the fucking flight down. Somebody tipped them. That is not just this article written by an ex-military person who's just a libtard. I can't stand them. Literally portrays there's no way that happened. It did. How did they hit that plane at that time? Not knowing where it was going to be. They knew they were going to be in the area. They had to know where the second LZ was, because in the story they land one bird in one place and they land in a different LZ. Those two fuckers with an RPG were sitting right there. It's not by accident. How do I know? I flew all over Afghanistan. We weren't just random dudes with RPGs, alright? It just didn't happen. So, anyway, that's our military quarter. Let's go to college crazy. Right. Elite universities reveal liberal bias through tweets. A new study finds that the tweets sent out by elite universities are far more likely to include liberal-leading sentiment than conservative ones, whereas less prestigious colleges tend to post more politically balanced tweets. This is like a great article that says, Water's wet. Yeah, like it's obvious. University of Florida researcher Andrew Sulipak, who led the study, says university marketing departments should take notice because perceptions of the partisan bias severely undermine the credibility of higher education. They assessed 1,069 06, tweets sent out by universities by the top 25 and the lowest 25 ranked universities. 80% of them were liberal. Among the elite universities, for example, Cillabac documented 87 pro-liberal tweets in comparison to 30 pro-conservative. I'm sorry, 870 to 30. I can't read today. It's obvious. That's what they are. Then, there's this incredibly weird-ass story that anybody who's from a different generation like mine could have said, Sure. It's like saying, hey, you shouldn't watch that movie. It's scary. You walk in the movie, I'm more scared because I know it's scary. Harvard study finds trigger warnings increase anxiety. Oh, really? Huh. A study conducted by three researchers at Harvard University finds that people actually experience more anxiety and emotional vulnerability, which I, no person should ever... Uh, I'm emotionally vulnerable. Shut the fuck up. Go do some PT or something. Jesus when given trigger warnings prior to reading disturbing content. The authors caution that further research is needed, however, saying the plan to conduct two additional studies to see whether they can replicate their findings, because nobody wants to listen to it. Seriously, people. Nothing should be make you emotionally vulnerable, and nothing should be disturbing to read. They're fucking words. Disturbing is when people shoot at you try to blow you the fuck up far left student group creates sanctuary campus scorecard this is going to be universal dig this shit Students and faculty members at New York University notoriously left-leaning University in New York City have created a Sanctuary Campus Scorecard to rate schools on their effort to shelter illegal immigrants. The scorecard evaluates 12 schools on 15 different categories, such as banning U.S. immigration and customer service, ICE, from campus and providing financial, medical, housing resources available to illegal immigrants. Give them free. It's all about the free. The Sanctuary Working Group also offers a downloadable version of its logo that people can display to indicate that they support sanctuary and we provide a safe space Um, the scorecard used letter grade from A indicating substantial measures taken B half measures C you suck the new school notably gets C's in most categories while it doesn't earn an A if it refuses to either share information on ICE or allow ICE agents on campus without a warrant it gets a C in a related category for failing to require training for all staff and how to respond to federal agents. In fact, Adelphi University is the only school on the list to earn an A in staff training. Okay. You guys fucking just fucking suck. Just suck. UCLA makes students pay classmates to promote social justice. UCLA is paying 18 students $13 an hour to combat social injustice and privilege and oppression on campus, shelling out up to $42,000 per year for the program. The Diversity Peer Leaders Program is funded through the school's mandatory student service fee to which each student contributes $1,100 a year. I would pull my kid from that college. I'd pull him. I'd pull him. I'd pull him. Study! Researchers falsely framed Trump supporters as racist. Oh, isn't this interesting? A Columbia University sociology recently published a study showing that much of the academic research into President Trump's voters is marred by prejudicial designs, distorted data, and outright lies. They say misrepresentation. I say lie. Musa al garbi points out, for instance, that one data set used in a Washington Post article to accuse Trump voters of racist motivations actually shows that Trump voters were less racist than those who voted for Mitt Romney. Oh, really? Uh, on social research, and agent Trump analyzed three case studies of academic research on Trump to illustrate the various ways that academics have misrepresented the voter base. One example of phenomena... Was by can be seen in an April 2017 WAPO article Racism Motivated Trump Voters More Than Authoritarianism by Thomas Wood, who teaches political science at Ohio State University. While Wood cites survey data to claim that Trump voters were especially motivated by racism, a closer analysis by Algarve revealed that Wood's argument about Trump voters can be substantiated from data cited in the article. According to Wood's own data, whites who have voted for Trump are perhaps less racist than those who voted for Romney. Not only were they less authoritarian than Romney's voter, but less racist too. Unfortunately, Wood declined to consider how Trump's voters differ from Romney voters. Instead... Focusing on the gap between Democrats and Republicans in 2016 and the service of conclusionist data do not support it. This uncharitable misrepresentation of data is one of many ways that Trump voters are marred by researchers, Algarbi says, asserting that the evidence suggests the role of race has been widely overblown and misunderstood. Trump voters aren't some mysterious, exotic, demonic force for me. They are my family, children, childhood friends, and for- former co-workers. Given this background, I strongly suspect that the cartoonish version of the voter promulgated by academics and the media was likely not going to be well supported by any kind of even an analysis or even available data. Mm-hmm. It's true. The funny thing about it, he hits a key point in there. They knew these people beforehand. They weren't racist, but the next day they're racist? Really? That's your data point? Well, it gets a little loud in here. we got a big thunderstorm coming through, so bear with me. The New York Times anti-white hire is exactly what Western education trains people to be. Great op-ed, and I'm only going to read the one portion from it. <clears throat> they don't think they need to apologize. Jong's vicious apology in the New York Times defense for her vicious tweets would make Jaquez Dorita sound like an fable. It, it was so twisted and meaningless. It wasn't even an apology, more like a justification for her tweets. This is coming from someone whose parents fled a country where more than 30,000 Americans died to save them from a totalitarian tyranny. Yeah, it's called the Korean War. For someone who grew up in a fluent American city went to Harvard University and obtained a job at the country's paper of record before 30, the amount of victimhood she expresses is incomprehensible. The life Jong has, refugees fleeing North Korea would give up an arm to get. However, it is not difficult to understand. It is actually very simple. Jong's tweets are not stupid. It is not just a performative art by an affluent urban middle class imbecile, a way of signaling in-group Communication to people of similar economic and ideological bents. Zhang didn't tweet she hates white people because she wanted to be accepted among a certain section of society where r- rhetoric like this is a common way of bonding. She channelized a very common idea among certain university circles. A scroll through post-colonial feminists and gender research and other activist departments will show exactly the same sentiment and more jargon-fueled writing. Claire Lehman, the editor of Quillette, has called it neo-Marxism when American Sociological Association President Eduardo Bonita Silva, if you got a half a name, you're a douche, bizarrely advocates equality of outcome and writes that to fight colorblind racism, blacks in the rallies would be the core of a new civil rights movement demanding equality of results. One should know the education system of the West is broken beyond repair, and due to a handful of disciplines, Chong didn't just appear in a vacuum. It's true. I mean, every week I'm reading these stories. This this is how they're raised. So really, she's just parroting what she learned in college. But it still comes down to the fact that she's a Korean American. And even though South Korea is pretty badass, she has a pretty good hair and she knows it mayor blames trump for black doll hung in playground reverend here's who actually did it yes another story like this and yet another example of why public figures should wait a little bit to learn the actual facts before they attempt to use the situation to score cheap political points philadelphia jim kenny the guy who did the happy deaths after sanctuary passed mm-hmm. you should see the video it's disgusting and the guy who just let somebody rape a little girl because they didn't want to hand him over to ICE, attempted to blame Donald Trump's hateful rhetoric for a black doll found hung in a city playground. Now that the true culprits have been discovered, Trump supporters are asking Kenny when he'll issue an apology to the president. It'll never happen. Last week, law enforcement was called about a black doll that appeared to be hung in effigy from a telephone wire at Philly Wekoko Playground, which is the original burial grounds for a local Mother Bethel AME church. Within a few hours, the doll was removed. Meanwhile, the outrage came fast and furious, including the mayor, who quickly issued a statement sickened by what took place today at Wakako Playground. This despicable act shows how far this country has fallen when people are inspired by hateful rhetoric. We'll do everything we can to bring those responsible to justice. Molly avoided mentioning Trump's name in the tweet version of the statement, Kelly's first statement, Kenny's full, st- full statement, which he admits was written while the investigation is still underway, made clear that he blamed the racially charged display on the hateful rhetoric of the president. Although the investigation is still underway, I want to immediately condemn this despicable act that demonstrates how far this country has fallen when people are inspired by the hateful rhetoric of our president. And it's particularly disgraceful to make a sacrilege out of the sacred burial ground where thousands of African-Americans are interred. The city will do everything in its power to bring the people responsible justice to the disgusting act. But, as CBS Philadelphia learned within a day, it appears that Trump's hateful rhetoric had nothing to do with the disturbing display. Reverend Mark Tyler, one of the first to see the hang doll, initially posted on Facebook that sadly he was not surprised to see it. For a person of color in this country, I would say there's really no place I would go and say, Oh, in this place, I know I'm safe. It's just not been my history. But in an update to the post, post, Tyler revealed who actually did it. A group of kids, black and white, under the age of 13, who just wanted to creep people out. Some young children came forward and confessed that they actually did it. Believe it or not, these children were under age of 13. They were black and they were white and they live here in the neighborhood. He said in response, Trump fans have been asking Kenny... When are you going to follow up and apologize? When will the reverend take away, I know there's no place in America I'm safe because I'm black. But let's let's be honest. That's democratic politics. They believe, if I go up on a stage and I tell people, hey, I'm going to prove your jobs, what have they done for you lately, I'm going to prove unemployment in the black community like Donald Trump did, they don't think they can win that way. So they pander to them. in the worst possible way about race relations... Instead of just telling the truth. Maybe someday their approval rating will increase like Trump's has from 13 to 35 this week. 35% approval. That's a huge increase. That's 22%. And it's not because he's going up every day pandering to African Americans. He's just approving the economy. Then this beautiful fucking piece of shit. I'm wondering why we have hateful rhetoric in the country. Dire Van Frank play replaces Nazis. Wait for it. With ICE agents, yes, because that's the same thing. Immigrants are fucking gassed every day in America, right? Wrong. Really? Oh, not tell that in the media. Teen Vogue makes a roundup of disgusting. They're now pushing the Lady Park Justice League, and they're basically saying in their article, "Hey, it's fun to talk about abortion. Abortion is fun." Yeah, okay. that That's, no. That's, no. It's a big no. Massachusetts joins the states as stupid. Massachusetts fails to ban therapy for unwanted same-sex attraction. They literally tried to pass a bill that was going to ban religious institutions for trying conversion therapy is what they call it. But it didn't pass, even in Massachusetts, which is pretty fucking liberal. So, huh. No comment on it. I don't think you could version therapy anything. I think if you tell kids, don't be gay, don't be transgender, they're going to go be gay and transgender. There are kids that are gay. A lot of them are doing it for fads nowadays. That's what the polls show judge sued after denying name change for three transgender adolescents families of three transgender teens are suing an ohio judge in federal court because he denied the request for legal name change Probate juvenile court judge Joseph W. Kirby has allowed adults identifying as transgender to legally change their names, but has denied all transgender minors' requests since March of this year, according to the lawsuit. A magistrate of the same court has granted the name change request to one transgender minor this year. The lawsuit alleges that Kirby has instructed that all name change applications for transgender person be assigned to his docket for a hearing. Notice that name change applications are typically heard by a magistrate judge. Judge Kirby has not conducted any name change hearings for non-transgender individuals, the lawsuit states. The lawsuit also alleges that Kirby has demonstrated animosity towards transgender adolescents seeking a name change without any rational basis. The lawsuit claims Kirby has ignored evidence presented by the parties from the medical professionals suggesting that the name change is the best interest of the child, appearing unwilling to accept the view of the professionals that gender identity may be expressed by adolescents. He goes on to say in this article, he does it till he waits till they're fully grown. That's the way it should be. And these parents that are doing this are part of it. The article goes on to say the lawsuit's about bullying. Dyer was like, oh, gee, shut the fuck up. Kids bully anybody that's weird. Goth kids used to get bullied. Nobody went out and said, we must protect the goths. But then our money shot is glad we knew with all this crazy fucking shit. We're going to hear from glad about transgender rights, Hollywood, not trans inclusive. The New York Times estimates transgender people make up 0.6% of the adult population. This doesn't stop activists from bashing Hollywood for not catering to them. Glad and 50 50 by 2020, led by Jill Soloway, creator of Transparent, an Amazon series starring a man playing a transgender woman, got four dozen production companies, talent agencies, film studios, and advocacy groups to show their support for expanded LGBTQ EIEIO co sign of four presentation, representation, calling Hollywood to use its soft power to tell authentic stories, according to Variety. Inspired by the outrage of Scarlett Johansson cast as a trans man the movie Rub and Tug, the group wants Hollywood. Hollywood to stop casting cisgender actors, and if they don't, they need to go to shit and hell in a handbasket. The client letter claims that in the U.S., 80% of people say they don't know a trans person in their family, workplace, or school, and this is where Hollywood comes in. With only 06 population being transgender, it's not surprising that many people don't personally know trans people. The letter also claims that the reason. That 40% of trans people report attempting suicide is because the culture is so transphobic. So if we don't know any trans people, 80% of the country doesn't know trans people, don't know anybody, never met a trans person, how can we still be at fault for the suicides? You see liberal logic? That makes no fucking sense. If I don't know a trans person and our society's so anti-trans because we don't know any trans and we answer stupid polls like this and the next one that's about to be talked about, how can you blame us for that? Could it be it's gender dysphoria, a mental illness? Yeah. But facts. Facts get in the way, folks. Facts are just facty. Get those facts out of here. Zaina Vargasilova. Is our next story. Late last month wrote a piece for them about the results of two studies by two Canadian researchers that showed that the vast majority of cisgender people, those who identify as their biological sex, would not consider dating a trans person. And then it's just another example of the discrimination trans people suffer. Of 958% of the study, or participants of the study, only 12% said they would consider dating a trans woman or a trans man. Vagaranova writes, The high rates of trans exclusion for potential dating pools are undoubtedly due to, in part to cisnormativity, sexism, and transphobia. All of which leads la- back to the knowledge about transgender people and their bodies, discomfort with these unknowns, and fear of being discriminated against the proxy of one's romantic partner. It is also possible that at least some of the trans exclusion is due to the fact that, for some people, sexual orientation may not be just about a partner's gender identity but attraction to specific body types and/or judgments of reproductive capabilities well admit this is the first time we've ever seen the word six sexism in print Barad Mefa of decision des HQ an obvious transphobe had a few observations. his tweet virtually all heterosexuals exclude trans folks from their dating pool. I think I see the problem here. It's your fault transgender people have mental and emotional problems because you won't date them. Now, there's a winning pitch if I ever heard one. Reality rears its ugly head at the end of this paragraph, but the first part is a wily coyote 20 feet off the cliff edge and just about to look down feet of death-defying insanity, all of which leads to lack of knowledge about transgender people in their body. Something tells me it's not lack of knowledge that's the issue here, but that possibility it's literally incomprehensible to this person. If your definition of trans equality is heterosexual people making no distinction between trans and non-trans people and who they date, the long way to go will take you well past the health heat date of the universe. The entire premise of this article is perverse and counterproductive. No one is obligated to date someone Telling cis people they're discriminating by refusing to date trans people is a sure way to alienate them from your cause. We all know what it means by date here, which is exactly why this sort of discrimination exists. But the author can't admit that. Alas, sexual dysforcism is a thing even in humans. You're not going to get rid of biology that's easily try as you might. You're not going to get rid of biology. Somebody tweeted, Old oh, Busted, the heart wants what it wants. New hotness. Have you really tried being attracted to people you aren't attracted to? It's biology. It's human nature to go after attractive people. If you're a person trying to make yourself something else, it's just a reality. I mean, I'm sorry. I ain't married a woman. And it might sound like, I I didn't think this out. I was in love with her. But she's pretty when she wakes up. She doesn't need eight coats of makeup. She doesn't need fake titties. She's just a beautiful woman. That's what I was attracted to. That's what my heart wanted. But once again, going back to the previous article, if 80% of the people in this country have not met the 0.6% Of the country that doesn't know what gender they are. How will I ever know that I'm attracted to them? I've never met one. It's Most of us, once again, are going into Walmart like I am today with the grocery list. Not taking stock in, ooh, they're gay. Ooh, is that a guy or a girl? Let me go ask him. Most of us don't know we pass transgender people because we don't give a fuck. But to say we're cis-normative... You can make up all the disparaging terms you want. Normal is in your normative. Normal. Only, If oh, we're going to use six now. Whatever, I'll use the 7%. 5.3% of the country is LGBTQ, E-I-E-I-O, cosine of four. That leaves us... 94 and some change. 94.7% of the country that is cis, as you call it. Normal. They're biological men and women who want the opposite sex. Maybe you're the different person here. And it goes back to all the arguments I made on this show. I'm wearing a Green Bay Packer jersey. That doesn't mean you have to wear a Green Bay Packer jersey. But in this liberal logic of pandering for the 0.7% of the country that's transgender, you believe that's the way it needs to be. I have to accept a person that doesn't know who the fuck they are. And I don't. I don't have friends that don't know who the fuck they are. I don't hang out with wishy-washy people. And I don't think anybody would hang out with me when I'm wishy-washy. When I've been all fucked up mentally or depressed all the time, nobody wanted to hang with me, including my wife. I was a buzzkill. So now, your logic's bullshit. To the crazy stories. Police, man in a vile encounter with a pony, nude Oklahoman, 29, was spotted in a rural field, giving it to a pony. Yay! Yeah, he was arrested. Nine lives plus cat found in pipe three weeks after Kansas house exploded. That's a lucky kitty. Improve your digestive health by eating crickets every day, study says. They actually say it increases metabolism, improves digestive ability because of the bacteria and the bugs, but no, not doing it. Man miraculously survives universally fatal internal decapitation. An Indiana car accident victim Survived his skull separating from his spine internally. So I don't know what that actually means, but that's how they talk about it. It's like it separates at the base of the sp- the base of the skull. Neck's not broken, broken. The spinal cord did. Usually everybody dies. This dude lived, which is pretty crazy. And before we go into our lighter fare. A funny story and a soundbite that's not funny. The funny story, German pensioners flee retirement home for heavy metal festival, which I think is fucking hilarious. It was an article from Daily Mail and they recovered these guys. They were supposed to be, you know, staying in the place. It's like a retirement home and they all bailed to go to a heavy metal concert, which I hope I'm that way when I'm that old. And HBO is into their usual, I hate most of America because Hillary didn't win and we didn't get her away. And they came out with a commercial with John Hamm, which I really like John Hamm. He was really good on SNL before SNL went all political, so I don't watch it anymore. He's a great actor. I've never watched Mad Men. it's not really my speed, but he's been a good actor in everything I've seen. They came out with an infomercial. It's called White Off. I just want you to listen to it and tell me. Is this okay?
7: (laughs) Ferguson
10: officials responding to
7: a scathing... Do you suffer from white thoughts? White thoughts are a symptom of an aggressive disease called acute viral perceptive albinitis. Violence isn't the answer. Also known as whiteness. The whiteness virus targets healthy culturally and ethnically specific cells. Italian, Irish, Scandinavian, etc. And what have you? The Alvinaitis then attacks and destroys any cultural or ethnic specificity using an arsenal of fake holidays, 17th century aristocratic class warfare, the one-drop rule, and Elvis. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we have a cure.
2: White beyond. I did nothing, Joe. For what? I'm going to for
4: what? What did I do? I ain't doing nothing. My thoughts get cured.
7: Amen. I'm John, and I'm an actor, and I have to confess to you that at one time I, yes, even I, suffered from white thoughts.
4: Yes, he had white thoughts in his head.
7: A Muslim friend of mine told me she was stopped at the airport every time she would travel, and I, in the throes of my albinitis, suggested that she refrain from wearing her headscarf so as not to inconvenience the airport security.
4: Yes, it's a fact. He really said that.
7: You see, I know from first-hand experience to be plagued by white thoughts can be deceptively euphoric because it gives victims of whiteness a profound sense of identity and purpose, as well as an unbridled populist political power. Uh, White thoughts can be deceptively euphoric as they give victims of whiteness a profound sense of identity and purpose, as well as unbridled populist political power. Uh, Now, the root... The, uh... John, is everything all right? Yeah. Can we just, uh... John, is everything all right? Uh, yeah, can, I'm sorry. Can we just, can we cut for one second? Everything all right?
4: Hi.
7: Yeah, sorry. Uh, it's fine. No, no, fine. give me give me one second. Thank you so much. Uh, I know we talked about this, and I don't really want to belabor the point, but... Yeah, I would um, Well, it's just, I know, you know, we sort of talked about uh, the spectrum of ethnic identity sort of subsumed in whiteness, and, you know, I'm not exactly, you know, white, white. I'm more of a... I I, I empathize, I understand,
9: I hear you. Good, good, because I don't want to... But you aren't here because of your relative cultural proximity to the whites. You are here because the people that call themselves white, those victims, for whatever reason, they trust you and that beautiful beige face of yours. You see, drunk with whiteness stumbling in their stupor you have what it takes to sober them with that bullish sincerity in your spirit they need you help them
7: okay, I got it five, Mary, take three and so, friends, the reason white thoughts are so difficult to treat is because of this little spectrometer right here. No matter where your white thoughts fall on the spectrum, from burning crosses and wearing sheets, to engaging in the secret suspicion that your Guatemalan housekeeper holds some sort of grudge against you, to sitting there comfortable on your laptop, watching this infomercial, saying out loud to yourself, None oh, of this applies to me. I read Noam Chomsky. I'm not racist. Maybe not, John. But sadly, I'm not racist, spoken aloud, is a classic white thought. You see, because of their diversity, these white thoughts are incredibly difficult to treat. So we must remain vigilant and remember that all these white thoughts stem from the same virus and are thus all the same shit.
4: All the same shit.
7: But don't worry. We at Dax Pharmaceuticals have created a cutting-edge, topical, non-invasive treatment for white thoughts. Using turn of the 13th century nanotechnology, we have managed to create a topical ointment that when massaged into the temples, enters through the pores into the limbic system of a person infected with whiteness. Also from DAX, laser The exciting technological revolution from DAX that allows you to laser your racial glaucoma away. Side effects may include, but are not limited to, black thoughts, existential crisis, bouts of amnesia, a loss of social power, acceptance of the mortality of yourself and your culture. Your white friend's wondering, what's gotten into you? Your parents worrying that you might bring a biracial child into the world. And what type of life would
2: that be? That is some grade A, A plus. Kobe. Beef style virtue signaling. Seriously. Next one's funny as shit. It was in Nashville. I had another story about the Nashville protest. Like 30 losers wishing. They literally had their hands. They went to protest... A um, private-owned correction facility company that owns all these jails, and they literally cemented their hands into barrels of concrete so that they couldn't be carted off. Um, they they were carted off. They even had a tripod because they said that's the best way to protest because cops can't take you down. And the cops drove up drove up with this vehicle specifically made with a extending ramp that they just walk up and snatch motherfuckers off the tripod. So it was really funny. But this is just. Hilarious some Kumbaya wanna folks sing off the the police are bad with Antifa and this lady just started all wrong for these people because you said not all cops are bad listen to how that worked out cities.
4: black, black, lives, matter. black lives, lives matter black lives matter black lives matter black lives matter I'm against private prisons. Matter. I'm against
10: cop brutality. I'm against black brutal people in ICE. Black lives they do. And that's partly why I brought these better. songs. There is, no there is no peace between black people and police. You should have learned
4: not to say that when you stepped up the lady. I'm sorry. we are yeah, not going to like it. I'm going to give them a hard time, but like as a person of no, color, I say state. fuck that. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. Not if they don't let me. She's saying No, quiet now. She'll All, right. All right,
10: this is a song about the private prison system. It's messed up, including ICE
4: you can be lucrative selling themselves where people live
2: you can profit off them
4: while they're in time
2: yeah they, they got a problem with opposing views it's a whole generation of kids now it's kind of sad when you think about it. these people are really really fucked in the head because someday they're gonna get out of this mode and try to go to a regular workplace and they're gonna talk like that and they're gonna get fucking fired if you can't listen to other people, you really, really have a problem. And the whole premise of all cops are racist, all cops are bad, all ICE are Nazis, all ICE. Uh, there's one in here, where the, I don't think I played it, where um, they are part of the slave recovery team. That was literally said on MSNBC that ICE agents are Nazi slave recovering people. Two separate historical Figures that are really bad. They're running out of things to say to 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 ramp this up, but not all people are anything. Not all black people are away all white people. And when your worldview is reduced down to that, you really have problems. Like our next soundbite: NRA sent out some undercover people at a gun protest. Uh, these people. It's, once again, I always say it, it's like me going out and protesting uh, soccer. I don't know anything about soccer. I wouldn't do this. But all these liberal fucking moon bats, that's not important to them. It's just not important. I don't have to know shit about anything. I just know I'm outraged. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
2: to show
10: you on the yes, a gun is absolutely what's necessary.
1: I think that we need to start from scratch with the whole gun issue. You know, we, we have people think that it's okay to kill an intruder into their house. People who think that it's okay to kill an intruder into their house. You know, if if a intruder in your house came before a judge, they would not get the death penalty. wouldn't happen. So we need to have a whole different, like, mind reset. Shame, shame, shame,
4: shame, 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 shame,
8: a lot of people have been saying, quote-unquote, ban uh, fully semi-automatic guns. Do you believe in that? Uh, I do. I do. Just it's too fast. Why? Why? Why?
1: <laughs> All right, perfect. Thank you so much for coming out. Uh, have a good march or rally.
10: I'm Linda, and I agree with banning fully semi-automatic guns,
8: definitely. What's a AR-15?
10: From
3: my understanding, anything that has automatic loading and refiring is something that can kill more people more quickly. <laughs>
11: Capacity. I think it inspirates the, the capacity, how much damage you can do, how fast. So it's your ammunition uh, that separates and makes a semi-automatic automatic.
10: Let's look at cars, for example. When you get into a car crash, are you going to blame the car? Probably
3: not. What is a bump stock? Oh man, do you really ask me
10: okay, so, so, so let's
3: go
11: to the next one. Okay.
3: What with your biology? I believe in the ban of all guns. I don't think it's necessary for civilians to carry around firearms and things that can kill people in an instant of a second. I do. I don't think civilians need guns at all.
8: Do you have anything to say? Uh, I did. I most
3: certainly did.
10: They, they can. They got their Second Amendment rights. I got my rights. Open carrying in a crowd like this it's is a legal. challenge, and it's, it's legal. legal. It's legal. So it's legal. And they have tiny little micro penises, oh,
4: so sake. they had
10: to wear their giant penises for the whole, whole world to see.
3: I am Amy, and I believe that we should repeal the Second Amendment.
2: Hey, can you say I'm Freedom Sabley? What is it? I'm Freedom Sabley. Yes, get right on, banning those semi-fully automatic weapons. Okay, you can do it. And lastly, for a line of fare, and then we're going to, instead of doing what we usually do, well, let's do this last line of fare. This is pretty fucking funny, I think. Texas grandmother shoots masturbating bicyc- bicyclists trying to break into her home. And the story goes, ladies out there dumping her trash. A guy's driving down the road on a bike, or riding a bike, jerking off. He gets off the bike as they're following her into the house. She gets a gun and shoots him through the door. They're still trying to see if they can file charges on her because he seemed to be mentally ill. But, you know, the concept of being that coordinated that you can jerk off and ride a bike, you need to find a different profession, man. That's a lot of coordination. I don't know if I could jerk off and ride a bike at the same time. That's, a, that's moving too many things at once usually i end with a good op-ed serious subject something to send us off politically today we're not going to i used to make this a real section in the middle of politics but i decided to put it on the back end and on a happy note and for those that are not into either one of my football teams you can ignore it but i'm wearing a Jordy Nelson jersey because I am still in mourning that we got rid of Jordy so we're going to start off with my reviews of the Green Bay Packers and the Oregon Ducks starting with my beloved Packers
9: There's no other story like this in professional sports.
5: Welcome to Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Great to have you with us. We the Packers.
4: We set the standard. Our house it all day. Feel that energy.
9: You built this city and made it our permanent home. You own it. Period. You are the residents of Lambeau Field. When you enter this stadium, you know you have a job, a purpose, to get loud, be loud, stay loud. You are dedicated, rain, shine, cold. You raise the roof. Well... If we had one. Here,
4: Touchdown!
9: Your voice matters. So use your voice until you lose your voice. Scream at the top of your lungs and from the bottom of your soul. For your passion, for your pride for your packers. Let's get to it. Let's get loud, Lambo.
2: So up front, I don't think we're going to go pack go this year. I, I I am putting us at 10 and 6. Schedule looks like the Bears and Vikings at home. We'll lose to the the Vikings. We'll we'll lose. Skins um at home um At the Skins, sorry, at home to the Bills, at Lions, which we're going to lose that one. Home to the Niners, got the bye week in week seven, which is pretty good. At the Rams, we're going to lose. Have the Dolphins at home, Uh, Seahawks away, Vikings at the Vikings, going to lose that one. Cardinals, Falcons at home, but I still have us losing that game. At Bears, at Jets, and home to Detroit, where I think we will win. So we're going to lose the Vikings twice. Lose to Detroit once, because we always do. I miss the Pats. We have, What week was the Patriots? That's It's back-to-back. It's the Rams and the Pats. I fucked that up somehow when I read it. I read it wrong. So the Rams and at the Pats. So we we'll go at the Rams, at the Pats. We're going to lose both those fucking games. Lose to the Falcons because they're really great. And here's my reason why. And by the way, for the first time ever, I opened my BR, Bleacher Report app, and I was taking a morning constitution the other day, and I'm reading these articles, and then did the uh, power rankings, preseason power rankings for all 31 teams, or 32 teams, excuse me. And we were number nine. And I said, I'm a diehard Packer fan, but regardless that Rodgers is coming back, we have not improved shit. I got called troll by another person. Another person said you can't be a fan because you spelled Rogers wrong. Another one said, "Oh, you're judging judging a season before it's even played," which is what we do. I mean, every news, uh, sporting news thing from ESPN to the NFL, they've all done their preseason rankings of who's going to be what and. NFL Network gets down to the fucking nitty gritty where everything mathematically comes out. I mean, literally, if you say somebody's going to be 11-5, it offsets so that every game between all 32 teams comes out to be what it should be. And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people like Rich Gannon just say, well, they're going to be 11-5. They're going to be 11-5. And it doesn't add up mathematically. But it's what we do. sports fan, And mine is grounded on reality. That's why nobody wanted to do it. They just attacked me like it was a politics and went crazy. And I did my screed of, I hate the fucking internet. If it isn't politics and liberals batching you, it's crazy sports fan losing their fucking mind because somebody has a goddamn opinion. And my opinion's based on reality. What have we improved as Packers? We have running back by committee. We got rid of our number one wide receiver, which makes Adams our number one now. And he was our number two. So Adams last year was facing number two DBs. Now he's going to face number one. Automatic down production. Cobb is slowing down. And we have four fucking wide receivers that are all fucking rookies. Just the day that I got dogged online, Aaron Rodgers said, Worst card section we've ever had. Young wide receivers suck dick. He didn't say it like that, but that's what he meant. They just sucked. Then you go on the defensive side of the ball. Matthews is lagging. Ryan ain't doing good. Fackrell never really panned out last year. He's like a scrub player. We bring in Wilkerson, who's okay. He wasn't like a barn burner, but the Jets didn't want him. That's why they got rid of him, and we got him. We bring back two DBs, Javon House and trevon williams who we didn't think enough of to keep and brought them back as our veterans we have king who's a stud but he missed most last year because he's fucked up so really this is his first full year and two rookie dbs that are great but they're rookie dbs so if you look at the season as a whole as a packer fan the moment far uh, far what's the difference Rodgers went down we were exposed that defense sucked. It's a big difference playing defense when you're up by a touchdown, two touchdowns, three touchdowns. But when you can't produce offense, the defense is shown for what it is. We were the 31st defensive for passing. I think 26th for running. We sucked. And even though you brought in a new coach for the defense, Pennan, that usually spells rebuilding year, Correct. It isn't like they're just going to pick up the new defense and run with it. It's new way of playing defense. But we've been bad for a long time. And in my Twitter screen, or my Facebook screen, whatever the fucking Bleach Bar, I think it's Facebook. Folks, my entire adult life has been based on the Green Bay Packers have a legend of a quarterback we can always win. But when I look at it after last year's anthem protesting and Rogers was out talking more shit about the anthem, how it brought people correct, we love the military, fuck you if you don't agree with me attitude. That was a big interview during a media day and I was just like, I was, shut the fuck, I don't want to hear about anthems. Stay in the locker room if you hate the flag, just stay in the locker room or stand and shut the fuck up. But my point is, last season was a fucking debacle of a year, from the protest to, to fucking Rodgers getting hurt. Since Favre, I have believed, once again, and now with Rodgers, that we have a legend we can win. But do we win? Do yeah, we win enough games to get to the playoffs. We haven't won a Super Bowl since 2011, friends. 2011. Perfect storm of no major team, a lot of injuries in the league. We squeaked through as a fucking wild card and did the unthinkable and won the Super Bowl against the Steelers squad that wasn't that great. It wasn't the Patriots. wasn't what Philadelphia is. It was just an okay team, and we won. But we haven't won with the legend. We can win the division. We won a lot of division titles, but we don't get out of the divisional round. Or if we do, we fucking shit the bed in Seattle. Or we go to a championship and we lose. I mean, folks, quarterback ain't enough. And the worst part about all this for the Packers, you're about to hand the pen and the checkbook to Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to get better. A lot of money is going to be tied up, as it should be, in him staying a Packer. But what do you get from it? If you break down this league right now, Philadelphia Eagles, rounded team. Minnesota, I hate them motherfucking purple-wearing sons-of-bitches Vikings. That's a fucking team. They had a nobody-scrub quarterback take them to the championship last year. Because the rest of the team is god-awesome. They're just awesome. And we're god-awful. You can't win your own division. You're not going to win the fucking Super Bowl. And the Packers can't win the division. They can't beat Minnesota. Minnesota is an awesome football team. I hate them. It hurts my spleen saying it. But they have an exceptional defense. A great offensive line. Fuck, the Packers are ranked like 16th in line. We lose one tackle, it's over. We have two tackles that they can't even play in the preseason. One of them couldn't even play in the fucking Packer family night game. They're all beat the fuck up again. And it goes back to what I bitched about last year and I'll bitch about again this year. This collective bargaining agreement where they don't fucking hit each other. They play fake foot flag football, have no fucking combines, don't do this, don't do that. Oh, we don't want to get hurt. All we've gotten is people hurt. Jordy jumps up at a preseason game, rips his knee, because they're not in shape, they don't get hit, and when they do put pads on, every one of these pussies is injured. There were ten fucking people injured on one padded practice. Foot, ankle, fuck! Bakhtari was all I could find out about the family night, was Bakhtari hurt his knee. And it turned out to be his foot. He sprained an ankle, got carted off the field for a sprained ankle. I rest my case. The NFL is turning to powder puff football because they don't hit each other anymore because it's just too fucking hard. But they make more money and put out a shittier project. And all we care is about social justice bullshit. If this season's last season, you'll be hearing me only talk about the next team, the Ducks, because I'm going to shut off my fucking NFL watching days again. To the Mighty Ducks, quarterback's back. He's on the Heisman watch. Placement running back. Don't know which one it's going to be. Defense should have gotten better. Coaching staff's gel. New coach, different, no more win the day shit. I don't know. The non-conference schedule is Bowling Green, Portland State, and San Jose. If we're not 3-0, and we have a major problem, Houston. We then play at home against Stanford, I don't know about that one. Callaway, Washington Huskies at home. No way in fucking hell we're beating the Huskies. That's still a great team. A lot of people didn't go to the NFL. They stayed for their senior year. I don't see us beating them. I I just don't see us beating them. It's at home, but I don't see it. Wazoo away. That's a 50-50 even when we were awesome or we sucked. It doesn't matter. Washington State, we always have problems playing there. Arizona away, goddamn sun, the fucking Wildcats, sorry. I always want to say Sun Devil, but Wildcats have our numbers. They had their numbers with Mariota, for Christ's sake. Yeah, I don't know. Chip Kelly Bowl, UCLA, is going to come at Oregon. Um, we better win that fucking game. You uh, At Utah, home to Sun Devils, which is a definite thing. You know, They came on at the end of the season last year with Herm Edwards. I'm kind of wondering. And then Corvallis for the Civil War. I think the Ducks are going to end up just like they did last year. I think they're going to be 8-4. and four. I think that's how it's going to work. We're going to lose to Stanford. We're going to lose to Washington. We're going to lose to Washington State. And we're going to lose to Arizona. And we're going to go to the Poland Weed Eater Bowl or some shit. I just don't see it um, turning around that much. It's no different. Both my teams wear green and yellow. Oregon wears chartreuse and fucking crayon boxes I didn't fucking have. Um, But they have the same problem. They don't have defense. I mean, they just don't. They just don't. The, The best defense we ever had, we lost to fucking Auburn in the national championship game. After that, you know, you saw Ohio State pummel the fucking shit out of us up the middle with that fucking freak Zeke Keel Elliott, or where the fuck is Ezekiel Elliott? I hate that motherfucker with his weird ass smile. Just I hate that dude. I fucking hate him. Hate him more now as a cowboy because he runs all over the Packers. I, I just don't. I don't see them turn around that good. And I'm going to be totally wrong. There are people saying they're going to be better. I think they are ranked in the preseason top 25, but I, I just don't see that big of a turnaround. It's, it's, you know, amazingly similar between the Packers and the Ducks last year. You take the quarterback out and sweet Jesus, it's rough. And for the Ducks, it's been since Mariota left. They have been just shown that the defense is built for speed. And it doesn't work when you're down by two touchdowns. You can't catch up. Um, from what I have discerned, they're still going to play the blur offense, but it's going to be a little slower, more pre-snaps, get them to line, tie them up so they can't do substitutions. But it's going to be a slower offense than before. But it'll be interesting to see um, how Herbert does this year there's a lot of hype for this guy i guess he grew a lot he's 6'5 he's a beast he looks like a cam newton kind of like Mariota. um if he stays healthy there's a shot and we already stacked the deck with three powder puffs up front kind of surprised me but it's probably needed right now to get some confidence but if we can steal a game from washington or stanford it'll look better but if we beat washington Let's put it this way. If we beat Washington, I will do a segment on the show about the Huskies, and I'll, I'll go buy a Husky jersey. Take a picture, put it on my fucking Facebook page. I just don't see it happening. The Huskies are a really good team. We owned them forever, but wow. They're really good. So two football teams, probably nobody gives a fuck about, but I wanted to put it in because I always do. And this wraps up a shoot-up episode of Flyover Politics. I apologize. A lot of interruptions today. We're going back to a Sunday one. We'll do a Sunday podcast this week um, to get it right. But this 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 wraps this all up. Please feel free to send emails. Tell me how much this email sucked at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP, podcast, gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politics webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com, FOPpodcast.com. It's a theme. See links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and email us. There you all see a link to every episode on the episode release page. Next podcast, I'm going to shoot for a podcast on the 12th. Um, If not, it'll be the 13th on the afternoon. Um, Enough shit should come out. Trying to get a couple subjects and take down the uh, Fire for Effects segment, which seems to be repeating on the same things. want to thank you, everybody, who's been listening. I see the uh, listenership's gone up quite a bit over the last couple of uh, podcasts, which is fantastic. And I once again urge you to share this with your family and friends, hand it out, play it in a group setting, uh, it'd be interesting to get more people to listen, get a little more input, so send an email to foppodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices, enjoy your family, and don't give the yeah, yeah. Stay cool out there. Summer is not going away. It's hot as balls where I live and pretty much hot everywhere else. And watch out if you're in the South for thunderstorms today. That one just whipped through here, lost power the whole nine yards, which is one of the reasons why the recording was kind of fucked up there in the middle. Um, Power went out and then it came back on. So until next time, my friends, thank you all for listening and take care.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Fly Over a Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at F O P P O D C A S T dot com. And remember, it's a short
0: ride. Make every day count.